Welcome to episode 7 of Crazy Talk. This is your host, KYT. We're joined, as usual, by our three co-hosts, starting with our resident dog lover, Alex Hayne. How's it going, Alex? I'm actually not here. (laughs) We also have our own MTG dad, Frankie Richard. How's it going, Frank? Uh, Doing fine. And our relationship expert, Dr. Medina. How's it going, John? What's up, guys? What's up? How's it going? <laughs> so I, I have problems in my couple, uh, Jonathan. Can you offer, offer advice to me? Sure. Tell me what's going on, Frank. Well, my girlfriend, she says I'm playing too much magic. I told her to shut the fuck up, but that didn't work. <laughs> Oh, I can't even keep a straight face there. Um, well, I think if that didn't work, <laughs> I can't even. I can't even compose myself. Yeah, man, maybe you are playing a little too much magic. Maybe you need to cut it back a bit, you know. But don't leave the podcast, though. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, there's like plenty should... of people who don't play magic and do podcasts, you know, like Jesse. You know, right? I I think she wants me to go dancing with her. <laughs> How like, that's not kitchen? fair Like you shouldn't have to dance When you're Hey t- tell her you go dancing with her If she'll go to a GP with you <laughs> Actually Actually when uh, we When we went to Toronto With uh, KYT She she came along Oh really? Yeah. Hey KYT is she really pretty? <laughs> She's really pretty <laughs> um, I guess some of the listeners are wondering Why we didn't have an episode last week so just to fill them in the plan is to really make sure we have an episode after every single star city games open so that we have you know some material to talk about and definitely we will try not to go you know there there wasn't a star city games open again but we will try not to go two weeks missing right so uh because a lot of people apparently love crazy talk and gives us comments even though we don't explicitly have to ask them for them. So. <laughs> Unlike some other podcasts. Right <laughs> 18. 18. <laughs> so thank you so much for you listeners, and thank you for all the encouragement. And before we get to the nitty-gritty of all the spoilers, we want to talk about how we did uh, in terms of Legacy, and John actually opted to play Legacy over a Nationals qualifier, so I'm just going to quickly ask him, why, John? Then Don't you want to get your name out there on, like, national champion Jonathan Medina someday? Uh, I guess someday I do want to do that. Um, but, I mean, this tournament was for a Mox and okay. a Bazaar of Baghdad and three buys at the GP, even though I'm not going. But it was just, like, it was a pretty legit tournament. I like Legacy, but I didn't feel like playing against Cobblade all day. Okay. Right, right. That's pretty much the reason. <laughs> I don't. I don't know if you guys uh, read the 
Alex Bertoncini's uh, article uh, this week on Star City Games. Did you? I skimmed through it. Uh, what What did he say, uh, he, had, Frank? he had a really good line where he said, like, if you value format diversity over player skill, then you should be playing Legacy. Because, you know, like, all those uh, mirror matches versus Skullblades, like, usually it'll boil down to, like, whoever's the best player is going to win. And, like, the, the, like the, the format is kind of limited. Like, there's very few decks, so it comes down to, like, who plays best. But, like, in Legacy, the field is uh, much more diverse, so it's... Right. I, I thought I thought that was a really good line. I think it's a good line, but doesn't that mean, isn't that to say almost that Legacy takes less skill than Standard? Like that, right, and of, I don't think that's true. Yeah, and I don't think that's true, so, so I mean, that's kind of like, you know. And once again, I have to find myself agreeing with Jonathan Medina. <laughs> We're in the Twilight Zone. <laughs> but I think he, he does make sense when he says a format, without comparing it to another format, like Standard... Alone, let's say it's more skill intensive when you know what the, I think Jerry said this, when you know what the main decks are, as opposed to having to metagame against like an entire random field. Um, Not against each other, because you saw each other's decks. <laughs> 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 this is gonna come. So, uh, back to you, John. Um, so not, no national qualifiers for this year, but you decided to, to go for, Monetary value, I guess, to get the mocks <laughs> to try. <laughs> and, uh, so, what deck did you bring? Well, I had to I had to explain my reasoning here. Uh, first of all, there's more national qualifiers. There's like one this weekend, which I'm not going to play because I'll be playing Legacy. <laughs> so you're skipping that one? Yeah, I'll skip that one too. And then there's one in Dayton, which is like an hour away, and that's the weekend after, which I probably won't play because I want to go Dayton. But if I ever do want to do this, I still have like two more times to do it. So. Um, if I ever feel like, you know, playing Cobblade all day long, you know, and not wanting to stab my eyes out, then, uh, yeah, I'll go play National Qualifier. Yeah, because Legacy is way more awesome than Standard right now. Obviously. <laughs> so, yeah. So, like, my I, my thing was this. Okay, so I played in a Legacy tournament a couple weeks back, and everyone knew I had a high tide, okay? And I tried to fake them out and tell them all that I was going to run Team America. <laughs> and so, like, none of them put Canonist or anything in their board, okay? Because they all thought I was running Team America. And then, like, I just got, I got, to, that's when I got the top four with the, uh, with the high tide. So, this time, like, everyone was gonna try to hate the high tide deck out, right? So I was like, well, I need something that, I need a deck that is, like, adverse to high tide hate because I feel like they're gonna over sideboard for me, you know? Okay. So, um, and plus, th th also, like, there's a financial thing going on in the background. My buddy, Jack, he wanted to borrow a deck for the tournament. And I said, like I said, this tournament was for a Mox and a Bizarre ba Baghdad. And then also store credit, you know? So it's like, I was like, well, here's what I can do. I can loan you High Tide, because you wanted to borrow High Tide. But at first I was like, nah, I'm going to be running High Tide. And then I came up with this master plan. I'm like, okay, <laughs> check it out, dude. You run high tide, okay? And you give me 50% of your winnings if you win. And then I'll run a different deck, 
And like I'm picturing like the both of us like top eighting and like me walking out of there with all kinds of money. You know what I mean? So obviously <laughs> So I'm like, this is a, an awesome idea. So like you're a dreamer, but you're not the only one. <laughs> so so I chose to play Dredge. And this is just like I guess this is just my bad, right? Because I <laughs> I didn't realize that Dredge was so damn hard to play. <laughs> and like there's a couple things I didn't realize about Dredge and I'll just dispel some myths for some of the people out there who are listening. First of all, Dredge is hard to play. Okay? And it's not because uh you have to remember to dredge your cards. Okay? <laughs> That's the easiest part of dredge. The hard is like what hands to keep and um it's hard to decide like um what what um, discard outlets to use, like whether you're going to use a breakthrough. Typically, you want to save the breakthrough until you have, like, a bunch of dredgers in the yard. Um, and, like, a careful study is perfectly fine to start with. Or, like, the the other thing is, like, I didn't realize this either. Like, in my mind, I'm just thinking, okay, this is how you play dredge. You get dredgers in the, in the yard, and then you just win, right? Right. No, but that's not how it works, because if you don't have a discard outlet... Then once you, once you dredge your guys back to your hand, if you don't hit any other dredgers, I mean, this sounds like really, like basic to everyone who's ever played the deck or like pays attention at all. But, but what happens is like, you'll dredge and you'll miss. You won't have dredgers and then you'll have all these dredgers in your hand. And like, you don't really have a hand to work with because either you're, you're using a lion's eye diamond to dump it or like a breakthrough or whatever. So it's like now you have to find a way to get these things in the yard. You know what I'm saying? Yep. And so, like, what I didn't expect Dredge to do was miss Dredgers so much. Okay, so, like, I'll, I'll walk you through, like, my game one, and then we'll just talk about the deck more in general. Because my tournament performance was just... I, I won one match out of, like, six rounds. So, like, there wasn't even, like, there's nothing to talk about. I have no good advice <laughs> about this deck. You know? So, basically, yeah. you exceeded expectations. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I actually won one, guys. What do you think? <laughs> did, did you win a lot of game ones? Because, like, apparently that's the that's the easy part. <laughs> no, and let me, no, not really. Let me explain, like, what, what happened, I guess. All right. I'll just tell you, like, so... Game one, a uh, match one, I was playing against my buddy Mark Larson. We were, he's playing Zoo. Okay? So he got down a, um, Grim Lava Mancer. And the Lava Mancer, like, a lot of these decks, uh, you just have to look at decks, like, in the, from, like, a dredge perspective. Like, I had never thought Lava Mancer would really be an issue for my deck, you know, as a dredge player. But since it kills his dudes, like, it's a problem, because he can remove my bridges. You know what I mean? Yeah. But but I never thought about it. I mean, like, yeah, when you think about it now, you're like, oh, yeah, he can remove, obviously. But, like, when you're playing Dredge, you just, when you're thinking about hate cards and stuff, you're not thinking about Grim Lava Mancer. You know what I mean? So, anyways, he removed my bridges, but it didn't matter, because, like, I was going to reanimate, like, a, um, I, I used the Angel, the Angel of Despair, and I'm not sure if that was the right choice, but I used that guy, and so I was going to reanimate him, and uh, I had Icarids, like, recurring. And the turn before I could reanimate him, he ripped his one of Gr- Gaddic Teague and then just played it. So, like, now he has a Lava Mancer, which keeps my bridges out, and a Gaddic Teague, which stops me from Dread returning. You know what I mean? So, like, I didn't win that game. <laughs> so then game two, I start off with a hand, like, 
careful study, breakthrough, um, one dredger, and a putrid imp. But the dredger was just a thug. Okay? So, like, I start the game, I'm like, oh, man, this hand is balling. You know, I got the dredger, I got, like, discard outlets. So I play the putrid imp and pass the turn. He goes, okay, um, you know, plays a freaking, I don't know, maybe a Grim Lava Master or some dude. And then I'm like, okay. So then I pitch, I pitch the thug. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I pitch the thug. Where my thugs at? <laughs> I, I pitch the thug. End of turn. I dredge. I get no dredgers. Okay. And I thought thugs stick together. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Actually, I remember what I did. I'm sorry. I totally screwed this story up. Because I was on the play. So, and the, the thug was in the yard when it was his turn. So I, I careful study. I didn't have a discard outlet. I careful study, pitch the thug, pass it to him. He crips the thug. Okay? Okay. So I'm just like, well, this is okay because I have two breakthroughs in my hand. And I, I can break through into a creature, you know, a, a dredge creature. So like, I break through once keeping one, the other breakthrough. You know what I mean? Right. And then um, I draw a careful study, and obviously, uh, like, I break through once, I miss, I whiff. So all I have is a, is a breakthrough in my hand. So then I, I draw, because I don't have a dredger, and I draw a careful study. I careful study, I miss. Okay? No dredge. <laughs> and then, so then I break through again. Okay? No, no dredger. I whiff again. Okay? So then... I uh cephalocalcium because I broke I break through for one just in case I wanted to keep a card, and I drew a, a, a cephalocalcium. I play the coliseum, break the coliseum, no dredger. <laughs> so it's like here I've gone through two breakthroughs, which is already eight cards, uh, a, two careful studies, which is uh, takes me to twelve cards, and a col- coliseum, which is another like three cards. So like fifteen cards off the top of my deck, and I couldn't find a dredger, you know. <laughs> so like this was like how the day went is pretty much this kind of stuff where it's just like yeah if I could just dredge I would win but it's like these dredgers they're not always available you know there's like sometimes I misplayed when I actually like reanimate the angel I'm like okay what do I kill like you know do I kill the knight of the reliquary do I kill the tarmogoyf like you know you have to do all this like kind of like racing math you know because you have to figure out, like, is he going to kill me before I get him? And, like, it's pretty it's pretty difficult deck to play. I I wasn't aware that, like, any serious list played the Angel of Despair. Like, yeah. usually usually it's Iona, which, like, which will lock him out a little bit. Well, I guess I started, before I played this, I went to MTG The Source, and I read a lot of the thread on Dredge. <laughs> just to kind of like get an idea of like what people are talking about and like I, I try to get more information about the deck just so you know I wasn't totally going this blind and I guess the reason they don't use Iona anymore is because there's a lot of Caracas going around with these junk decks oh okay so like okay. so they don't want to you know they don't want to use Iona so uh, I guess Angel is was in the second place list from the last Legacy Tournament at Star City Games so is there I, is there other targets that it's it's running or is it just that one angel? Well, there's a host of targets. Like I was well, let's see, in the deck that I ran there was Angel, Flame Kid Zealot, so you can go for the fast win. And then um 
Sphinx of Lost Truth. And that's basically like, they used to use Cephalid Sage, which basically, it, Sphinx of Lost Truth says when it comes into play, draw three cards and discard three. So, yeah. what you do is you basically just dredge instead of draw. And you just dump your whole graveyard into your, or your whole deck into your graveyard. So, like, there's other targets you can use, like, like Vintage Dredge uses Terastodon. Yeah. And so you can use Terastodon. Uh, you could use, like, there's different, like, matchup targets. Like, in the sideboard right now, I have a Ancestor's Chosen. And when you reanimate that, you get a life for every card in your graveyard. So it's supposed to be there to, like, beat Burn or, like, Tendril's Combo or, like, fast, aggressive decks. And then you have a, um, you also have a, what's that thing, uh, Blazing Archon, which says creatures can't attack you. So you use that against like Emrakul decks or like, you know, any deck that you don't want their creatures attacking. So, and then you could have other, like, if you expect like a lands heavy metagame, you can use like Realm Razor. Um, if you expect like, um, a bunch of Enchantress, you can use Aura Thief. And so there's all these little things you can do. But, um, you know, I, I don't know. I learned a lot about Dredge. Like, I know with, there's, there's a Lion's Eye Diamonds list, and then there's the, the multicolor list that doesn't run Lion's Eye Diamond. And the Lion's Eye Diamond list runs deep analysis. And the idea is that you should be able to go off faster with the Lion's Eye Diamond list. But the problem is, is that if you don't have Lion's Eye Diamond, you don't go off faster. And you're just a crappier version of the multicolor list. And deep analysis, I don't really like it in the deck. You know what I mean? So it just feels like I should be running the multicolor list if I run it again, not the, not the Lion's Eye Diamond list. Huh. You feel it's more consistent? Um, I feel like, first of all, I feel like I, I'm not really equipped to make good judgments because I don't really, I think I need more time with the deck. But the time that I spent with the deck, I felt myself like when I didn't have a Lion's Eye Diamond, uh, it just didn't feel explosive enough. And then, like, even when I did have a Diamond, like, if I didn't have a Cephalic Coliseum or not enough Dredgers, it's just, like, you need, like, a real combination of stuff. The nice thing about the Lion's Eye Diamond list is that when I go to sideboard, it's easier to sideboard. Because I'm just like, okay, take out my Diamonds, take out my Deep Analysis. And then uh, bring in, like, my Chain of Vapors and my, my Pithing Needles or something. You know, like, whatever I expected from their deck. Okay. And so, like, because, like, I guess, and this might be the wrong way to go. I mean, our listeners might correct me or something. But I guess, I figured, like, the right thing to do in Game 2 was to go for more of a grind. And because they're going to have hate. So, like, trying to be explosive is stupid because you dump your graveyard into your, I mean, you dump your library into your graveyard and then they crypt you, you know? So, like, instead of trying to be too aggressive, you count on, like, Bridge from Below and Icarid, and then you try to board in the hate for their hate, you know? And so, so I don't know. Like, I feel like there's a lot to learn with the deck, and, like, I feel like the multicolor version might be better. And I'm not sure about the Angel. Like, the big thing about the Angel is it flies over Moat, and uh, it can kill a creature. But I think Terastodon might just be the way to go. I don't know. I also think, like... You know, we could talk about spoilers later, but I think there's a there's a card in the new set that might be good reanimation target for for Dredge, and um, I don't know. I like 
I've been thinking about different things, and like I just want to play the deck more so I can figure out what are really like the bad matchups and like what cards do you really like lose to, and uh, you know that kind of stuff. So you're still gonna give this another shot, okay? It's not something you thought that was too inconsistent and just next deck. <laughs> like no, no, I think judges of like even after you went one and six, you're still uh, still interested in the deck. It was one and five. A one in five. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I am still interested in the deck because I think a lot of it was like my inexperience as a pilot, and then like, I mean the the it seemed like the tournament was more prepared for dredge than I thought it would be, because they all had multiple things of hate. I was playing against a welder combo deck, and so like, I have a pithing needle, and I had to decide like, do I name the combo the grindstone or do I name his hate? You know what I mean? And at this point, I already had, like, dredgers in the yard, and, like, I was off to a great start, so I felt like if I had two more turns, that I could just lock them out and just beat them with, like, zombies and stuff. And so, I, instead of naming the combo, I named the hate, and I named, uh, I named, uh, Termod's Crypt. So he played a Termod's Crypt, which was great, it gave me one turn, and then the next turn he ripped a, uh, spell bomb. <laughs> So then he oh. just used the spell bomb and welder to just lock me. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty freaking nasty. So like, I feel like you know when the when the tournament is not prepared for dredge, that the deck will just roll people, and I want to be like good enough to play dredge when that time comes. So I'm still gonna put the hours in with it and still try to learn it, so that whenever I feel like a meta game is ready for dredge, I'll play dredge. But like, it's not something I'm gonna be sporting on the on the day to day, you know. For this next tournament, I'll probably just go back to high tide. And John, coming from someone that has, obviously, still a complete newbie at Legacy, for for Lions like Diamond, do you just discard your hand like on turn one right away and start dredging, or it really is it on turn two? Or It really depends on your hand. Like, this is like, I was faced with the same question because, like, my hand was like this. It was uh, Lions Eye Diamond land, um, breakthrough... Uh, dredger, and then like some other stuff that didn't really matter. So I, I didn't want to keep that hand because I felt like if if I break through or lion's eye diamond on turn one, then the dredger goes to the yard, but I got no hand left. So like if I don't dredge another dredger, I have no discard outlet. You know what I mean? Oh right, right, right. So like my buddy was like, okay, what you should have done is play the lion's eye diamond. And then break through on turn one, and dump everything in the yard, dredge. If you don't have a dredger, lion's eye diamond, and then dredge again. And then if you don't have a dredger, you're screwed. But still, even then, I feel like after I went through two breakthroughs, you know, that earlier in the tournament, I felt like, hmm, like I can't be guaranteed even if I get two dredges out of this guy that I'm going to have a dredger, you know? But, but the odds are pretty good that you will, right, Alex? Well, or. yeah, but also, I mean, don't, with a hand of breakthrough, lion's eye, diamond, land, and like a dredger, don't you play like the land, play the lion's eye, play breakthrough, and in response, pop the lion's eye, discarding your hand, and get the, at least one dredge out of it, and then you're going to have to discard it from the breakthrough afterwards anyways? Yeah. Yeah, and basically he was saying to do it in another succession. Right, I think. But yeah, because... How does the other succession help you, though? Like, don't... Because then your, your breakthrough is... Just discarding, drawing four, and then you're discarding your hand. You're not actually getting a dredge out of your breakthrough. Oh, I see what you're saying. Double dredge. So you're saying like, 
You're saying to dredge it from the breakthrough. Right. Yeah, the breakthrough at that point, he was saying to use as a discard outlet. Right, but I'd say to use the Lion's Eye Diamond as a discard outlet, use the breakthrough as a draw outlet, and then if you didn't hit another dredger, it's still a discard outlet because you're discarding the dredger that you just dredged. Yeah, I think, it's, I think that's a better way because if you dredge into a dredger then, then your breakthrough becomes awesome. Right, because then you just keep chaining them into each other, right? You keep dredging yeah. into more dredging. At that point, yeah. Like, you could just potentially easily kill them turn one. Plus, if you dredge into, like, um, a deep analysis as well, it's, like, the same thing. Because after your breakthrough resolves, you're discarding your dredger. And yeah. that's your graveyard for you to dredge again from your deep analysis, which you have three mana floating from your Lion's Eye Diamond. Yeah, see, this is the kind of stuff that I'm not familiar with, you know what I mean? It's, it's not playing the deck. These kind well, of little... Well, I don't play the deck either, but... Uh, the world's coming to an end, man. <laughs> Alex agrees with John, and John agrees with Alex. This is, uh, well, this no, is crazy talk. He's actually taking advice from Alex. <laughs> this is like, crazy. Teach me, master. It's clearly, it's clearly the right play, you know. I can't. If I argue with that, I'd, I'd just be stupid, you know. <laughs> Everybody's learning here. He's finally uh, listening to the alpha dog. <laughs> <laughs> Got to get a dog reference in there. Um, Obviously. John, anything else uh, on Dredge that you would like? To, like, I, I, I want to ask a question, but that leads into what I played last night, because I did play against Dredge, and I, I'd like to ask a question. Yeah, I think anything, if I could tell anyone anything on Dredge, just from my limited experiences, like, don't just pick it up and take it to a tournament, like, log some hours of the deck because it is harder than it seems and you really gotta like for your meta you gotta figure out like what you want in that deck because there's some some flex slots like i felt like i wanted a crippling fatigue in the deck you know so i could kill like a gaddock teague or something and uh wait can crippling fatigue kill gaddock teague yes but is it a four drop no it's a three drop okay yeah yeah so i felt like i wanted a crippling fatigue for some reason, I was like, wait a second, is that a four drop? Oh, no. <laughs> no. So, so, yeah. So, like, I, I figure, like, really spend some time with the deck and really, you really have to know, like, what you're playing against, like, what your meta looks like before you really just take it and try to play with it, you know? Oh, and I probably would recommend the, I don't know if I'd recommend the Lion's Eye Diamond version, like, uh, but it could be just because I'm a bad pilot, so, you know. Well, I think Lion's Eye Diamond version is a lot better when you know how to, like, play your breakthroughs and in response sacrifice your Lion's Eye Diamonds. Yeah, clearly. Because <laughs> then you can, like, win turn one. But uh, I think, like, the five-color version has a lot better sideboard options. Yeah, you get Firestorm in the in the other version, too, which is, like, really nice, it seems. Yeah, I think that card's really, really good in so, stretch. Yeah. yeah, that's one of the Sing, big things uh, is- you guys keep saying uh, the five color version. Like, what color is the is the Lion's Eye uh, Diamond version? The Lion's Eye Diamond is the blue black version. It runs uh, four seas and four um, dark slick shores, and then uh, four cephalic coliseums. And the five color runs like uh, gemstone and city of brass. And I think often the, what's the tarnished citadel, right? Yeah, yeah. And usually it also plays Cephalic Coliseum because that card's just the nut. Yeah, so they so they 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 go with that multicolor mana base so that they can cast things like Firestorm or like you know I mean there's nature's a lot claim. of different nature's claim. I mean there's a lot of different things that Dredge like for a while there Dredge was like kind of like a hybrid deck where it was like Dredge and Reanimator 
So they would use like um, that two drop that uh, reanimates a creature in both yards or something. What was that called? Um, shell? No, not shallow grave. Um, anyways, they they would use something to reanimate some of their creatures too after board, because they just use it more as a reanimator deck than like a a dredge deck. You know, so <laughs> there's a lot of ways to to tweak it and stuff, and that's why I say you really got to log some time with a deck before you decide how you want to go with it. Sounds good. Um, so I, me and Frank, we we just decided to play Tuesday Night Legacy, where uh, only booster packs are up for grabs, not uh, a Mox or or uh, what's that other card that, that was up? Oh, Bizarre Bag Dad. Yeah, not even close. Not even close. I think <laughs> the top prize is like three booster packs, like a draft set. So I, I decided to take Merfolk. Uh, from the advice of Drew Leving, because I asked him what deck uh, I should start. Um, I was trying to take the same strategy that I've taken in Standard, where you play the same same deck and and feel really comfortable with, and then you see guys like you know Bernchini, which we mentioned, do really well with Rug and starts the games open, and then he does well. At GP Dallas, he tops eight. He does well with Merfolk every week. And Drew told me, you know, just just go with Merfolk. It's a safe choice to uh, play and get better at, and you'll be you'll be a good choice for GP Providence. So I decided to bring it and read a bit of Burden Cheney's articles on Star City Games, where he mentions the deck being strong against other blue decks. But uh, I ended up facing three red-based aggro decks, one of them being a burn deck that uh, burned me out <laughs> two games to one. So I feel like, uh, am I supposed to lose against them, Alex, I think? Well, definitely, like, Merfolk's a deck you want to play when you're expecting islands, and you don't want to play when you're expecting mountains. Yeah, so totally didn't give me the prep I needed, depending on what I'm expecting in GP Providence. I did play against Dredge, though, and my question is, for, for John, uh, if he would know, is when I have four, I'm playing Merfolk, I have Force of Wills, and so what do I, should I look forward to forcing? Should I force um, an early discard outlet that you have? Should I wait for, like, a breakthrough, a careful study? Should I just save them for for the ultimate dread return? And so I've, I have I didn't really know what to counter. I feel like there's two cards, like, just from playing the deck, and I could be told, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong. <laughs> <laughs> there's probably not a maybe about it, but anyway. So. <laughs> I, I feel like there's two times you should use Forcible in the matchup. It's turn one discard outlet. Or dread return. Okay, so I did I did counter their discard outlet, but I felt I felt it could have been wrong. I'm just like you know I'm forcing I'm throwing another good card away to to kill their discard outlet, and the guy looks at me sort of strange, and I I'm like, am I doing it right? Alex, any thoughts on this? I think I would definitely counter the turn one discard outlet. Okay. Um, I don't think I think if they just play like a breakthrough completely by itself turn one, I think I let that resolve. But like any card that like lets them get some of their cards into the graveyard while keeping the rest of their hand, like I would definitely counter that like a putrid imp or or a careful study. I think on turn one. So you're fine with breakthrough because 
They're going to lose their whole hand, so they're not going to have, like, a follow-up discard outlet. They're not going to be able to recur the discard. Right, basically, like, they're just getting rid of... Breakthrough's basically, like, they mill themselves for four, and they put their hand in their graveyard. That's what it's going to be on turn... If it's that on turn one, I'm fine with them doing that, because I think that's too slow. But, like, if they play, say, a Putrid Imp, and then, like, they're going to discard, and they can dredge, like, just one card, and then the next turn... They can play careful study or breakthrough, and then it's really threatening because it's representing a lot of cards in the graveyard rather than just their hand. Okay, I got I, it. I really don't think you want to save it for a dread return because those decks tend to play a large number of Cabal therapies, which any semi-competent dredge pilot, I don't know if John Medina would do this. Uh, <laughs> no, I knew the Cabal therapies first, yeah. aiming yeah. force of will, getting themselves a couple of tokens in the process. Yeah, I knew I knew that, but I'm saying like he's asking what to counter. Like if he could counter a dread return, would he? <laughs> um, it, I'm pretty sure he would. Yes. Yeah. So so what I'm saying is, is really like think, yeah. the, the the two times like to me it's like there's two times that you know it should be a, a, a force wheel. If you can force a wheel at these two junctions, then you should. And like th- those were the two I said was the discard outlet on turn one, or the the um the dread return. And I, I guess I I could see the breakthrough example like probably you know probably okay, but like I feel like if they're gonna break through their hand into the yard, they probably don't have business anyways. So like what are you saving the force of will for? You know what I mean? Well it's not actually the force of will as much as like the other card. I think if you're pitching like you know, something bad, which I can't really think of. <laughs> like, you know, then then it's fine, but you're not really... I mean, if you're pitching another Force of Will, then I think you probably do it. But, like, every other card you're, in your deck is, like, just really solid. Like, I think Merfolk is actually one of the decks that has a good Game 1 matchup against Dredge. Because uh-huh. you have Curse Catchers, which are, like, insane, because they remove they their remove bridges. bridges yeah. and, they, and they usually, like, counter their spells almost. And, like, Daze is a hard counter, pretty much, because they, they're very landlight. And you have a reasonable clock and, like, wastelands to kill their lands off. And I think it's, it's pretty decent. Yeah, I felt, I felt the deck was... Uh, Burdenchini doesn't have any graveyard hate post-sideboard, but even after board, I was pretty... Unless the dredge player is supposed to board in, into something that's better, I still felt with Curse Catchers that... Yeah, um, yeah, with the five curse catchers, man, you were good. <laughs> you running so, five? So Frank lends me the deck and tells me curse catchers are missing. So this is a story. <laughs> so I go to Sal from uh, face-to-face games, and I'm like, give me a playset of curse catchers. Then later, after the tournament, Frank's like, I, I'm like, okay, Frank, you owe me like four curse catchers in the deck. And then he's like, actually... I had one, and I think I had one already. So then he goes home, looks through the deck, and takes a Facebook picture, as he's known to do, <laughs> that there were five curse catchers, and I cheated at a Tuesday Night Legacy tournament. <laughs> and what, you owe Ford? <laughs> <laughs> and I owe Ford because wow. of... You drew too many curse catchers. I drew too many curse catchers, that's why. No, I lost to all the mono-red... Uh, decks, and I don't think I actually had a chance there, uh, but then I lost due to the whole, and Alex is going to kill me for this, due to the whole bridge uh, to below uh, ruling, which was uh, 
screwed up by my opponent and the players around me that were watching that said that he did indeed get the zombies. But uh, afterwards, after consulting with other people and uh, that knew more, I guess, I don't know, he wasn't supposed to get zombies, and then I, I probably should have won, but I let him have the win anyways, whatever. Okay, well, uh, would you like to well, tell... Yeah, let's explain is? what happened. So, he so other people tri- won't screw up in the same way. So he had three or four bridges in the graveyard and three creatures, and he was going to dread return a massacre worm. And yeah. I had like a few creatures, and uh, Umazawa's Jite on the table, not that it's relevant, but I also had a curse catcher. Okay. So while he dreads returns, uh, according to what I know, and you guys can correct me, the, the bridge of below, their triggers go on the stack. Correct. And then I can sack curse catcher to counter the dread return. Like, even if it, I don't successfully counter it, but mm-hmm. while I sack it, that triggers the other part, which is removing the bridge for below. So I think those triggers resolve first, hence removing the bridges, and then the the zombie triggers resolve, and those check if the bridge of belows are in the graveyards. And since they're gone, he does not get any zombies at all instead of getting 12 or 16 or whatever he got. Uh, no, that would be either 9 or 12. All right, well, you're pretty much right. Um Right when he he plays Dread Return, sacrificing creatures. So what happens is the Dread Return goes on the stack, and then above that go all his bridge from below triggers from how many ever non-token creatures he sacrificed. So then you can respond to both the Dread Return and the the triggers by sacrificing your Curse Catcher, which then puts the Curse Catcher ability on the stack, and then above that on the stack puts all the bridge from below remove from game triggers. Okay. So then all those should resolve unless something else happens. And then he either has to pay one for his dread return or not. And then after that, his other bridge triggers are there. However, they they don't only check on trigger, they also check on resolution. And since they've noticed that since there's a clause, they check the bridge from below is still in the graveyard. And since it isn't still in the graveyard, he doesn't get any zombies. Now, what excites me most about this is that the guy was reanimating a massacre worm <laughs> and like the reason why this excites me is because i thought the same thing i was like i have like i have like a like a stack of dread return targets like the you know the aura thief and the you know other stuff and in that stack i have a massacre worm and i'm thinking oh man until alice norn comes out like this massacre worm is probably legit against like goblins and uh merfolk yeah it seems Pretty scary on my board of just one ones and two twos. <laughs> did, uh, did did he have the mana to pay for the, the the curse catcher? Yes, he did have the mana, and so he was. It was like a complete wipeout if you know he did. If things weren't supposed, like he had a bunch of zombies and a massacre worm, like there was no way I could win after that unless I. I was wondering if I should have sideboarded submerged by like, <laughs> at that point, but <laughs> no way I was going to win from that. But if he didn't get the zombies, I was going to beat him with my uh, Core Helm Commander with a Umazawa's Jite and a bunch of dudes that could have gave me time against the uh, Massacre Worm. So, but uh, it, 
I, I guess my reputation as it stands is that I always get mind tricked, and once again, I did not disappoint. But <laughs> it's a casual setting, as Frank can attest to, where people let, let others take back their moves, and, and I was just going with the flow with what people said, like, yeah, they do, he get, does get the zombies, and I'm like, okay, whatever, I'm dead. You know, so. Now, the, the other ruling it's, is... It's, it's casual, but sometimes you have to mulligan to five. <laughs> <laughs> There's a, it's a, I don't know if we're going to talk about that, but, John? Um, the other thing is, like, if I, if I have a, a non-token creature and you have a non-token creature and they both trade, then I still get the zombie in yeah. that case. Okay, yeah. Well, if you stack it correctly, yeah, it's cause, important. Because I can stack the triggers... So that I get the. I so get what do you have to actually reason. say? What, what would you have to actually say to I, stack? I don't know. I have no idea. All I know okay. is that that's how it works. <laughs> well, so let, like, me, let me explain a little no, bit. No, no. I think I think it, it depends on whose turn it is. It, that's actually yeah, yeah exactly. It, it does not actually depend on whose turn it is. Normally, for effects like that, it's active players' triggers and non-active player triggers. Let's say yeah. you both have like um, a creature that triggers when it goes to the graveyard. Let's say. One of you has a Kakusho and the other one has a Yosei. Yeah. Okay? For people who actually know what those cards do. And they, they trade. Okay? And whoever's active player, it means whoever's turn it is, basically, there's, their triggers are going to go on the stack first. And whoever's turn it's not, are gonna, their triggers are going to go on the stack second, which means above. And so they're going to resolve first. However, with Bridge from Below, it's not like that. Because both the remove from game trigger like the bridge from trigger and the making zombie trigger, both belong, are from the bridge from below, so they both belong to whoever controls oh. the bridge from below. So ah. he gets to stack them however he wants. Okay. So he could stack them in a way that the bridges get removed first, and then he gets tokens, in which case he would get no tokens. Or he could be not retarded and stack them the other way, so that he basically so stacks the remove from game triggers first, and then above that stacks the make zombies tokens triggers. That way the zombie token triggers are going to resolve first, and then the bridges are going to get removed. So why to me can't it, he seem, do that it seems that... Catcher? Sorry, John? So why can't he do that with the curse catcher then, since he owns the bridge? Well, because with the curse catcher, as I explained, he plays the dread return, and then right away, since all his creatures have gone to the graveyard, the bridge from below's trigger... So those they already go on the stack right then, right? So there's dread return on the stack, and then there's the bridge triggers right above the dread return. Uh-huh. And then his curse catcher, all the triggers from that are going to be above the stack because they're just added after, right? Let me let me break down this new tech to you. <laughs> it's Jonathan. a new tech, <laughs> Jonathan. If you would play uh, Leyline of Anticipation, and you're playing against a Tormod script. Like you could dread, you could play your. They they go to Tormod you. You play your dread return in in response, and then you get your tokens before the Tormod script resolves. <laughs> yeah, I understand about that. <laughs> That's pretty sick, man. Was the dread player playing Leyline of anticipation? No, no. no it's I just I just uh, I just invented that. Crazy tech from Frankie Richard. Dredge <laughs> players playing Leyline of the Void and Leyline of Sanctity, but never a Leyline of Anticipation. I mean, that could be good. <laughs> yeah, you can even play the green, the new green Leyline, right? So that whenever your tokens and stuff come into play, you gain a life and they have extra toughness. Yeah. 
For the yeah, night. That, yeah. that sounds good. <laughs> Alex, so to remind myself of your rule, I'm just going to be like, don't don't attack into a Kakusha when I'm at five, right? <laughs> Basically. <laughs> right. <laughs> like... One one thing one thing that like if you're gonna play um, if you're gonna play dredge it seems like practicing it on uh, on uh, magic online would seem like a good uh, a good idea because like then you see all the triggers and then it like because when you're playing the game you know like you 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 have to kind of like think through it more whereas on uh, on model you know you all the triggers. Or automatic, you know? John, would you just put the zombies in the play, or would your opponents actually be like, how do you stack them? Well, what happened was, when we had that whole trade thing, like, um, (laughs) I I traded with his creature, and then I... You're really good at trading. Yeah, I'm so good. I got (laughs) totally got value on this one. I was like, okay, so I I get a zombie. And he's like, no, you don't. And I'm like, yes, I do, because, um, I can control how these stack. Okay. And then he's like, judge. And I'm like, okay, whatever. So the judge comes, and the judge is like, yes, he gets a zombie. And the judge is like, well, wait a second. Um, how do you stack the triggers? <laughs> and I'm like, I stack them so I get a zombie. And then he's like, <laughs> he's like okay, fair enough. <laughs> that usually is good enough, actually. As long as you specify what you want the end result to be, if that's, like, possible, then then you okay. could do it that way. So, but, yeah, like, it's I still good know. to know how it works and why it works, you know? Yeah, I didn't know exactly what to say to get the zombie. Like, I didn't know, like, I didn't want to think, you know? I didn't want to sit there and say, okay, if these triggers go on stack, <laughs> I didn't even want to do that. I'm just like, look, dude. I'm stacking so I get the zombie. End of story. <laughs> yeah, you're not used to having a judge around when you're making trades. Yeah, yeah I mean, come on. <laughs> like, who calls the judge on John Medina? I mean, Some douchebag. No, I don't <laughs> I actually don't remember who it was, but it was probably, like, somebody I was cool with or something. <laughs> he, he was trying to edge you for a zombie, eh? <laughs> yeah, he was trying to get get a little bit of a of an edge on me, and it was just like not gonna happen. <laughs> yeah, Jonathan Medina only trades for value, guys. I'm like, hey, dude, if you're if you're getting value on me, it's because I'm letting you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not letting you right now. <laughs> um, Frank, so I'm gonna pass it on to you. What did you play, and how was your experience with uh, whatever deck you decided to choose? I decided, yeah, I decided to choose another graveyard deck, which was uh, uh, blue-black reanimator, basically. So uh, I I took that and I I uh, I went two-two. Uh, Is it your own creation or? No, it's like it's the deck, you know, like it's the deck that was active before they banned uh, Mystical Tutor. Okay. And it was it was having a lot of success back then, and then uh, then they banned uh, the tutor and uh, survival started going crazy, and like during that time like it didn't it didn't really perform because there was a lot of graveyard hate like trying to stop Vengevines and so on, and uh, so so it it like it hasn't like it hasn't been played a lot like I I think it made like it made a top sixteen. Like uh, like since since they've banned the uh, survival basically, 
Okay. But like it hasn't been, but like, it hasn't been really played. But uh, I just wanted to try it, like try to s- something different. And it was it was pretty it was pretty good. <laughs> I lost like I lost to a combo deck. Uh, the we've already mentioned it. It's the the pro protein Hulk uh, combo deck that this local local guy plays. And uh, I beat I beat a Belcher deck. And um, what else did I beat? Mm, I'm drawing blanks now. I and I I, I know I lost to uh, the rug uh, new uh, how they call it new uh, new, new th- next Canadian next next level threshold. Level threshold. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's the one. So I lost to that guy because uh, like in one game he resolved the Jace and that made it. Uh, Pretty complicated for me, and uh, the other game he just uh, he just raced my uh, Inkwell Leviathan. Mm, so so it's the same deck before, but without Mystical Tutors. Or yeah, yeah, ru- yeah. It's roughly the same. Yeah. What is but the thing is, it's like you take Rambo and you cut off his leg. Okay. <laughs> that, that, that card really made it. Like that card made it really consistent because like it's. Like Reanimator is a type of deck that like you need to draw like certain cards, you know, and like you need to draw uh, either like a fatty or a way to get one into the graveyard, or and you need to have your reanimation spell, and sometimes like you need like an instant to protect it, you know. So the the, the mystical tutor like it would it would give you whatever you're needing, you know. So yeah, like, like I played that deck before. Uh before Mystical Tutor was banned, and uh, it was pretty sick. Mystical Tutor could find you Entomb, or could find you Reanimate, or Exhum if you needed that, or could find you, you know, Careful Study or Brainstorm if you needed to, like, get rid of something from your hand, or Force of Will or Thoughtseize if, you know, you needed you needed some protection. It was just, like, anything, you know, it, it was so easy to, it was pretty easy to consistently, like, turn to Reanimate something of your choice in your deck. But like, as I can imagine now, you're like relying on careful study a little bit more, right? Yeah, and uh, like sometimes, like you don't have uh, you don't have your reanimation spell, or you you have like like it's 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 less it's just less consistent, you know, than it than what it used to be. But um, uh, like it's it's still like if you have like the thing is like there's games where where you have. Like, Entomb is really good, because it lets you, like, get whatever creature you need in the graveyard. So, uh, the two games that I played against the, um, the Belcher deck, he went turn one, uh, both times he went turn one, uh, uh, what's, like, the... Empty the Warrens? Empty the Warrens, yeah. And I had turn one Entomb into uh reanimate the blazing archon so like both games were like were pretty straightforward <laughs> it would have been so better what? if you had a massacre worm right there <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I didn't have that tech uh quick question first <laughs> quick question what did you use instead of mystical tutor did you use the Lindell's vault I had one of those, yeah. That, that that one seems like it could do the job. It's it's just more expensive a little bit. Yeah, it just seems like it makes it maybe a turn or two slower, but it seems like 
pretty much mystical tutor, right? Well, actually, in Reanimator, like your life is really important because Reanimate and Thought Season, Force of Will, and stuff—they all cost you life, which is possibly going to be a, is a little bit of a theme of some of the spoiler cards that we're going to talk about later. But uh, like, and costing you life with the Limdil's Vault is is pretty relevant because, like, against the Aggro decks, you like Reanimate a fatty, and you know, <laughs> and and you can still they can still attack you, but you you know you paid like eight or nine life or something to get that fatty into play. Yeah, I mean, also, it's probably relevant to have things to reanimate and spells to do that with, too, right? Yeah. Yeah, so, I mean, you know... Well, I mean, it's you good, could, but you I'm could just have saying tw- it's... You could have 20 life and, and no, no business, and and, and you're just going to die, because you, you reanimate creatures with your deck. That's what you do. Yeah, that that that's one of, like, one of the things, like, I was trying to do, like, kind of, like, most of the time was to uh reanimate Iona and uh but like sometimes what it does is that like you'll go to uh ten life and then like you still like you have to like three turn to kill them and you have ten life. So like for them like it it puts them like sometimes they can race you, you know and Yeah and, and having to pay like five life from a Lindol's vault, right? That that definitely's gotta hurt. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And like, let's say let, let's say you're playing so, against something like Zoo. Like, what color do you name? Like, if you name, <laughs> if you name, like, you're obviously like, I think you want to name white because they can pat your angel and then you're screwed. <laughs> so if you name white, like, you let them play their creatures and then they they'll just race you. You know. So it's. uh like it's not always an uh, like even if you get your guy out, you know it's it's not an, an auto win, you know. Mm-hmm. And I I think I think you're always looking for like every time a new set comes out, like you have to look like what are the good targets that like maybe uh, change some matchups, you know. So Frank, this is just gonna be a one-time thing. Don't see yourself playing this at a. GP Providence, I guess. <laughs> no, I I wouldn't like. I think I think right now the deck is tier two. Like tier two, okay. Yeah, but uh, but it's it's a it was a like it was fun playing it. You know, it's a fun strategy and uh, like they might be printing other cards uh, that that help it. You know. Okay, so I think I don't know about the other guys. This we can directly move. Well, actually, into I have one question first before we go to the next segment. Sure. Uh, so for you guys, let's say GP Providence is tomorrow. What deck do you think you'd be playing? Hopefully, I, I would be playing um, a tuned-up version of Affinity provided by my first mate, Alex Hain. <laughs> so I'll be I'll be waiting, and uh, yeah, that's what I, I I feel like. Merfolk is pretty. Will I have enough time to play the games enough to... Like, it's known to be one of the easier decks to play, but I still feel some matchups, knowing what today's, what to force, uh, stuff like that, uh, when to be... I still don't think I could get it to the level where I'm going to be comfortable, while Affinity, I can just bash people's faces in, so... That's my answer. Frank? Uh, my myself, 
I, I think I would go towards uh, Team America. Because, like, it, honestly, it's the only deck I've played that I've had any success with, you know, in tournaments. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I think I would stick to that. America! And, like, yeah, it's a, like, I, I really like the deck where I played it. So. John, if you were going. But then again, you know, it, go, it goes on to our next segment because... This the new set will be legal, but John, off the off the top of your head, what would you play? Well, Alex said if if we were tomorrow. Oh, tomorrow, my bad then. Then I would play High Tide. At Providence <laughs> is probably not a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> just just putting that out there. Not sure that's the best idea. Alex, if oh, you were you think you think there might be a uh, little mental missteps, you know, <laughs> it might be a mental misstep to play a deck that requires one drops to win. <laughs> you, do you think uh, Candelabra is going to take a big price hit, or or has it already? In fact, uh, I don't think it has because people have not really put that in perspective yet. But I think um, once we start seeing results where there are high tide decks at tournaments and they're not top eighting. <laughs> then we're going to start to realize that this has a huge impact. Just because even you can counter their high tide, which also is pretty bad for them. Well, that's kind of the spell they have to resolve, right? Yeah, and if you have a mental misstep <laughs> <laughs> in your hand and you counter that. Yeah. Alex, before we move to, to the new set, as we're talking, to, what would you bring if you were going? Well, I used to be indecisive. Now I'm not sure. <laughs> but uh I don't know. I I would probably be packing something with uh with four <laughs> Alex used to doing the packing, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> well at least I don't do the washing. <laughs> but I I would probably uh place play some dark ritual deck. Probably ad nauseum. Oh okay. Um, okay, the reason why, Frank, uh, your, your deck, your reanimator deck made me think to jump in our next segment right away, because it seems you, you just named cards that could easily be misstepped. <laughs> <laughs> Entomb, reanimate, it seems like it might go from tier two to tier nothing. <laughs> <laughs> well, some people listening might not know what misstep does. So I kind of feel sorry for them, but uh, like, yeah, uh, I'll I'll read it then. Well, first spoiler warning: these are spoiler cards from the next set. If uh, if you guys don't want to hear them about them, well, uh, sucks to be you. <laughs> Cover your ears and go la 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 la. <laughs> if like, l- let me just ask you: like, I think uh, maybe Jonathan, you're you're aware of that. Like, how did they come up with all those? Uh, those uh, those cards, like, wh- where did they find that God book? Um, well, from what I understand is that someone had the God book and uh, it was on a file, it was on IRC or something. Ugh. And, like, and then someone else got a hold of it. I guess what they were talking about is that it looks like it's a, a God book for a translator. Somebody to translate these cards into another language. Oh, and okay. So, so that got sent to a translator, and somebody got their hand on it. 
Yeah, basically the translator either was on IRC with it or, you know, some, someone got their hands on it and then, and then someone took pictures from their IRC, like they downloaded off IRC and started taking pictures of it on their computer and they spoiled that first and then finally they, they put it up on Mediafire and everyone was able to download it or whatever. Wow. I so. didn't, I didn't of course download or proliferate that. <laughs> that well, you, you, okay, you, uh, yeah. It, it's all, uh, secondhand. Uh, yeah, I mean, <laughs> it's not like I have it open on my screen right now, you know, while we're going through these. <laughs> but yeah, it sucks. Um, I don't know how people, how each of us feels about spoilers, but I'm indifferent because it doesn't really, I remember the good old days where Rancored Elf would just give everything out on MTG Salvation, but I can see how it can impact the excitement for certain people who are looking forward to opening the set completely fresh on pre-release day, etc. Yeah, I'm not like... I like... I feel bummed for Wizards because I know that they want to keep it under wraps and they want to like have this... They want to like have a, like a spoiler experience where they're like, okay, we're going to reveal this and then we're going to reveal that. You know what I mean? Yeah. And so like, I feel like they feel like this is part of building a set is the, is a spoiler process. And right. like when people bypass that, it takes some wind out of their sails as a company. And it also, even like financially, like when they do these spoilers and these reveals, they're like crafted to get people excited in certain waves, you know what I mean? So, like, when it's time to sell the set, everyone is, like, totally pumped to go buy it, you know? But now it's, like, everyone has the set, and then, like, people might not, that they can't feed off that, like, frenzy of spoilers and energy to sell the set, you know what I mean? It's it's usually released, you know, in a way that let the band blind wise like shape the market as they see fit, right? Oh, oh, oh. oh, don't get me started, man. We're going to throw blows. Oh, man, play. I'm going to put you in trouble. Eh? <laughs> well, talking about trouble, whoever leaked this god book is, uh, is in trouble for sure. Yeah. Probably don't I mean, have a job anymore. I, All those- I know there's a translator that's looking for a job now. <laughs> yeah, I feel like like people were asking for the link on Twitter to the Godbook, and like they were at, they were like asking me, you know, but I'm not gonna give out a link to this thing, you know, like I'm not gonna proliferate that, you know what I mean? Because I, I don't want to get in trouble for spreading this, you know, information, you know, yeah, spreading the sickness. Yeah. <laughs> so maybe we shouldn't talk about spoilers, guys. <laughs> I feel bad just for like people who were gonna get a spoiled card and write a column about it. I mean, the impact of those just go out the window now. So, well, yeah, I, I think I think I think this is like really like as has it ever been like this bad? Because me, I like I I didn't start like playing like uh, for for that long, and back then like the. Uh, like the only big spoiling that that w- that happened was the uh, the Conflux names that were leaked, you know, but the cards weren't leaked, you know. So, John, you wanna? Yeah, I mean, I I think this is like I usually spo- follow the spoiler season because um, I need to know like financially, 
Yeah, not actually beneficial. Yeah. <laughs> but, like, um, I don't ever remember something this big where it's like, here's the whole set in a, in a PDF. Like, never like this. <laughs> yeah, I don't remember the word God book ever used. <laughs> so, um, I guess that's how we feel. And, yeah, the uh, only God book I knew about was, like, some... Some bunch of mumbo jumbles that they wrote like two thousand years ago. It was so bad. Oh man, Frank really wants to throw blows tonight, huh? Yeah. <laughs> More Frank. Oh man, did I just diss the Bible? <laughs> so... You did. I think you did, Frank. I think you did. Um. Uh, so John was in the middle of reading Mental Misstep, right? Yeah. Okay, go ahead. Take it away. All right, Mental Misstep, Phyrexian Blue. Okay, counter-target spell with converted mana cost of one. Now, one of the new um, mechanics in the set is this Phyrexian mana. And what this means is that you can either pay the color mana that it requires, which is blue in this case, or you can pay two life. Okay, so so basically what we have here is a free counter spell. <laughs> uh, it costs two life to counter-target spell with converted mana cost one. So what do you guys think? Do you think it'll have an impact on, like, uh, Legacy, maybe? <laughs> like I said, it shuts down the deck that Frank just played. One curious question for me would be, could they actually bring back... What was the reason they banned Mystical Tutor? Because it was too powerful? Yeah, it made the decks too consistent that it was in. Like, like Ad Nauseam was just ridiculous with that card. Could they actually bring it back now? <laughs> I don't... I don't I don't think they actually ha- ever had to ban it. I just think there was, you know, a gentleman's agreement, apparently, that they thought they saw of some kind, that, like, casual players apparently weren't playing the combo decks, and they thought that format was more fun or something. Even though, like, if you look at the statistics, it, combo wasn't really dominating, like, the Star City circuit and stuff. But anyways, that's a that's a pretty long discussion there. Right. I just think, just I, I threw it out there. I think it, it goes back to something that uh, that Drew was saying that like whenever there's a legacy tournament, like there's all these people that are going, always going to play Goblin, Zoo, or Merfolk, you know. So like even if there's a like a super deck, you know, that's uh, that's winning everything, and like there, there's come like purists of the format that always stick to their own archetype, you know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I also think like cards like Mystical Tutor and Survival, for instance, like and the other tutors too. Like the Wizard is going to keep printing cards, and they're going to keep printing instants and sorceries, and they're going to keep printing creatures. So like, eventually those cards are just going to get more and more powerful because they're going to have more and more options to find. And like, just keep. That's the thing with Legacy. Like some cards just suddenly like, hey, look, they just printed this. Like, hey, look, they just printed Vengevine. Now Survival is broken. <laughs> so I, sorry to printing things. <laughs> sorry to bring you guys away from uh, with this uh, mystical tutor question, but uh, John, go ahead. Yeah. So mental misstep. I think this is like first thing I want to say is that people are comparing this to spell snare because spell snare says counter target spell with converted mana cost of two, and it's one blue mana. So it's not much different, right? It's just like there's just a two instead of a one, right? No. <laughs> no it's not much. 
This is just spell snare, right? No. It's uh it's a spell <laughs> snare that can be played by any deck and when all your lands are tapped. <laughs> <laughs> the, the thing the thing that I find is like this is definitely not a spell snare. Like I think people need to look at it more like a force of will and less like a spell snare. Because like one of the main reasons you play force of will is to steal that that turn one when you don't have any mana. You know what I mean? Like, if they drop a goblin lackey on turn one, you need to counter that. And if you can do that without losing a card by using mental misstep, then, you know, it it kind of, like, it kind of uh, supplements the the need for force of will in that respect. So when you're talking about cards like Aether Vial, Lackey, Dark Ritual, these things that are, are duress or... Cabal therapy or thought sees, or somebody's these, one of somebody's five copies of Curse Catcher. Yeah, somebody's, <laughs> somebody's, one of their five Curse Catchers. Like when you're talking about these kind of cards that need to be countered, um, Mental Misstep does that job and it does it for free. So it doesn't rob you of your turn one play if you're on the play. You know, so if you play a turn one, uh, you know, Noble Hierarch and pass the turn, and then they try to do something you still have that turn one play and you don't lose card advantage to play mental misstep, you know? So yeah, it's, like, it's, I mean, it's I think a, world, it, a world of difference between, like, Spell Snare and this card here. Yeah, well, it does have some similarities to Spell Snare. I mean, like, I think what happened is Force of Will, like, you know, went out partying with his friends and then uh, <laughs> really drunk and is, like, saw some cute chick across the bar and was like, hey, baby, how's it going? He's like, hey, what's your name? Like, I'm Spell Snare. And then, you know, they had, like, one night of, of, of lovemaking, and then suddenly <laughs> mental misstep was born. <laughs> I mean, it's similar that, in, that's in the... That's probably how it went down in R&D, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we don't know, but the cards are all actual real people. <laughs> that's how we got, like, Quazali Pride Mage. It's like Watchwolf and Viridian... Um, Zealot or they got down and dirty. So, but it's printed in the same way that Spellsnare printed, you know. But I think like the impact that it makes is so much bigger than Spellsnare. Right, but it does have like the similarity of Spellsnare in that it's like fairly narrow, right? It has it's only useful to a certain grouping of cards. Yeah, it it, it is like Force of Will in the fact that it doesn't require you to keep mana open or be you know, like, basically, like you can you can gain tempo with it and protect yourself. Yeah, but because that that grouping of cards is like the base level one, you know, I think that's that's where we lose the the weight. I mean, Spellsnare counters some great cards, you know, but like this is basically their turn one. You know what I'm saying? It's well, it's still good later in the game too. I mean, later in the game you can play, you could actually pay the blue mana perhaps, and like, you know, to counter their random brainstorm or whatever. Or there's yeah, their spell pierce or something like that. You know, like well, it seems unlikely you're going to pay one to counter spell pierce, but I mean, it happens. No, 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 but you can use the two life to counter spell pierce later yeah. in the game. Well, I think I seen saw someone at uh, regionals counter a spell pierce with a mana leak. Are you serious? Yeah. He ended up he ended up top eighting too though. So, <laughs> so it was it was a he ended up being play. in a cast today. <laughs> <laughs> His initials might start with a K. 
There's many, many stories of me. Oh, wow. You did that, KYD? There goes a mental misstep. That was a mental misstep (laughs) on my part. I end up, like, and I had control of the game, so I was really scared that, uh, but I ended up winning that game anyways. But it was a Cobblade Mirror. But anyways, back to Legacy. You shall not mention the name of that deck in this (laughs) podcast. In the premier Legacy cast. So, like, I think that mental misstep is huge because you get, like, I know you can play it later in the game and stuff, but the big thing about this is the the turn one. It's a tempo swing that you gain from getting that turn one play. And because everything in Legacy, like, there's not... Like, I would say, like, the general curve of Legacy, I mean, there's there's certain decks, like the Robots deck or whatever, but the general curve is, like, one through three, you know what I mean? It's like, you're playing a lot of spells that cost one, you're playing a lot of spells that cost two, and some spells that cost three. You know what I'm saying? Hmm. And you know what card could be good at Legacy? Counterbalance. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, and this is kind of like... This is why counterbalance is good because of stuff like this. And counterbalance top is really good because it counters one drops, you know? So, so I think like some people are, are just not getting like how powerful this is going to be, but this could really, you know, change the way legacy is played. I definitely think it's going to be a staple. Like it's it's a really strong card. I mean, I, I think, like, if you look at it, you know, like, uh, you're on the play, and you're, like, whatever you're playing, if it gets mental misstep, you know, <laughs> it, you're you're starting out, like, uh, at a pretty big dis- disadvantage, you know? Yeah. Well, not if the spell you played was, like, Lightning Bolt, because you were playing Patrick Sullivan's deck. <laughs> you don't mind so much then. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah, like, against... I think in that case they'll tap the mana to to counter your lightning bolt. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. So yeah, this card is insane. I think it's uh it's probably the best card for legacy out of the set. By far. Yeah. <laughs> and I, I agree. I mean but it's like, too bad we started out with it, right? I mean <laughs> But it's so powerful to, I mean like, the thing I think we didn't touch on enough is that you don't have to play it in blue decks, right? You can play it in, yeah. like, a zoo deck. It's an answer to, you know, it at least helps you against the combo decks. Yeah, definitely. That's, that, that's what I was going to ask you. Like, do you think, like, zoo decks are going to start playing it? Like, the Knight of uh, Reliquary decks are, are going to be playing it? Like, where do you see this uh, being used? What's the first deck that's going to see? Mental misstep. Come to me. <laughs> well, if I played High Tide, I definitely think I'd want like four of them in there. For the mirror. Uh, for the mirror and like things like Thoughtseize and like Mental Misstep. You know, because <laughs> I mean, because I want to counteract their Mental Misstep because they're going to be playing against my High Tides. You know. It's like Umazawa's Jite all over again. Yeah, and so like so like the cards that like discard cards that that hurt me and like Goblin Lackey that hurts me. Like, this card is legit. Man. So, it could be so many funny turn ones or something. You play a candlestick, they misstep, you misstep them, <laughs> step back, you're like, what? So lucky. <laughs> you know, you force, they daze, you know, like. <laughs> yeah, I think it's like, it's gonna be insane, and like, I think maybe two drops might, I mean, spell snare might just become awesome, because like, people might just be going for the mox diamond two drop plays. 
You no, know, but, or the, like, but the thing is, spell snare gets countered by mental misstep. Right, right. <laughs> God, everybody one, was betting gaming against each other's mental missteps. Owned. <laughs> one thing of the misstep is that one misstep stops another. You know. Yeah, that's yeah. what I was saying. That's why I would run in high tide. It's hmm. I don't want them stopping my 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 steps with their missteps. I don't know. I don't want to overstep them. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, but I think this could be played in zoo, like um, it could be played in in like goblins, you know, like uh, I think it even, could be, but like I think it's n- too narrow. Like I kind of hate cards for those decks because I think those decks need like fairly broad cards to answer combo decks and so on. Like you, c- that deck's not really gonna win by like countering one random one drop usually. Whereas like. You know, having a mindbreaker trap or something can definitely help a lot more. Having a mind break trap can definitely get duress out of your hand. <laughs> oh well when you're zoo or like goblins, like often they don't have time to have duress back up. Yeah, I mean often, but when they do it's just a beating. And the other thing is like well, if they, do, you, trap- then they you they force you to mental misstep it and then they still go off. Yeah. <laughs> oh no, this is true. But how did they go off when you countered their dark ritual? But they duress you first. You were saying no, because what they do is they go off and then they duress you before they they cast their um. They add nauseum and get a whole bunch of cards and then they duress you. Uh, how are they, they playing play? ad nauseum when you're mind break trapping it? You don't have you don't have to mind break trap ad nauseum, dude. Why? Of course you do, because then they find a whole bunch of duress effects. <laughs> no, I'm saying, like, they can't always mind break trap it. You don't always play three spells before you play a nauseum. So, like, basically you're saying they have three lands and they're playing, like, Dark Ritual. Sure. So in that situation, Mental Misstep seems excellent. In a situation where they, you know, had mana floating or something, or did a more realistic, like, you know... More than just ad nauseum, because like <laughs> basically, like if they nauseum. play it like you want them to play it, then your uh, analogy is better. Okay, I get it. No well, they play like one ad nauseum, right? So it's very rare they're actually casting it, especially against aggro decks. Usually, they're gonna like try and find um, the ill-gotten gains loop, uh-huh. but like usually they're playing a tutor first, right? They're playing like a mana accelerant, then they're playing a tutor. And then they're usually playing like another mana accelerant and then add nausea. I don't know because I don't play that deck anymore. I played it with when I had Mystical Tutor. And the way that it would work is like I would just Mystical Tutor at the end of the turn for ad nauseum and then I would untap, play, uh, play a ramp spell and then do it. Right. Well, the deck, as, as I think we've discussed already, Mystical Tutor has been banned. Oh, oh, yeah. A few months, a few, a little while back, I think. <laughs> That's probably why I don't play that deck anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Well, now the tutors you have are Grim and Infernal. So, speaking of uh, tutors, random segment change. <laughs> Let's get back to these. You're uh, looking what, for a math tutor? <laughs> what, um, Ask what KYT. You, you probably know some Asians. <laughs> oh, man. What do you Mark's son? Mark's son? <laughs> what do you think you'll see play, Alex? What do you mean? Out of the spoiler. Well, um, I mean, I definitely think Mental Misstep is, is going to see play, as we said. But I also like um, Jitaxian Probe. It's a sorcery for, again, a Phyrexian Blue. 
and uh, you look at target player's hand and then draw a card. Mm-hmm. Now, I think, like, in any combo deck, that card's pretty insane because, it's a, first of all, you're, you pay two life and you get to see what's up. Like, do they have force? Do they have mental misstep? Do they have, like, absolutely nothing? In which case you just, like, go high-five to yourself. <laughs> you get to draw a card. Like, people played, like, Street Wraith in Belcher before, right? This card's kind of like Street Wraith, except you get to see their hand. Uh-huh. Plus, add one to your storm count. Okay. What else do you think? Um, Cur- curious question, Alex. I know this is Legacy cast, but do you think this is going to see play outside of Legacy? Which card? J- Taxi and Probe? Yeah. Um, I could I, I could see it like even being played in uh, Spur John, Cobblade decks. <laughs> 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 I mean, like you know, the one of the big uncertainties with that deck is when you like you know you pop in your sword end of turn with your mystic and you're like oh am i going to get am i going to time walk myself by equipping and getting blown out by like a bolt or something and instead you just go like jetaxian probe you get to see their hand it's like oh there's no bolt there or oh there's a bolt there and you draw your yeah. card and then you know exactly what's going to happen or in like a mirror match you know how many counters they have how many jaces they have it's like a mini inquisition of Kozilek, right except obviously instead of taking one of their cards you get to draw one it's pretty sick, because maybe they don't have counter spells, and then you can slam a Jace and win, so... Yeah, like, I find in Cobblade decks tend to play, like, you know, three leaks or something, and, like, you know, three, four pierces, and you just, like, play that, and you can sometimes, the, the coast is clear, you know, and both of you are just, like, bluffing counters, you know, to get so the other guys can play a Planeswalker, and you can you know, leak it, and then play another one. So and, yeah, this sounds really boring, doesn't it, guys? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I, I, I like. I just wanted to know. Like, this seems like this format is gonna be awesome, guys. Yeah, <laughs> I, I, I feel like I've always wanted telepathy in play, right? Just to know, just to make it like a chess game, so I know what's up and what to do, what's the best play based on you know all this information. And this is pretty damn. You know, telepathy's never been played, obviously. Mm-hmm. But this is like you draw the card back. It's I love it, I think. <laughs> well, there was a card peak that was played before, which, you know, what was played in, like, one one Reveillard deck or something randomly. I mean, I don't think it was that great, but, like, it, comboed, it used it with Meddling Mage. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, I think that's pretty sweet. And I, I could even see, like, decks that play Cabal Therapy playing this card, because, you know, you draw a card for, and you for free get to see their hand, and then you're like, Therapy you? And they get completely wrecked, because you know exactly what they have. So how is this? This is almost exactly like peak, right? Except this one's a sorcery, and you can pay it for free, right? right? That's the <laughs> yeah. So that's that's worth the the it being a sorcery. Yeah, the I, option, right? I, definitely. I mean, usually you want to play it on your turn, anyways, right? I mean, that's when you're right. normally going to cast or do things like that commit your mana, which is when you want to see their hand. So. Okay, you can move on to another card, Alex. <laughs> um, like, uh, I don't know. like, just like that card, like, um, like it seems like uh, it might be played in uh, a Pyromancer Ascension deck too. Yeah, that hmm. seems pretty legit. Yeah. If, if if I thought Pyromancer Ascension was good at all, then I would agree with you. <laughs> but uh, I don't think that I, card's very good. Like, I mean. I understand, yes, you can, like, have it going on and stuff. The thing is, like, as it gets, 
actually, if it gets to the point where it's actually good at all, people are just going to hate it out completely. Like, I tried playing that deck, you know, when when there was M- M10 and M11 in, uh, in Standard, so I got to play Ponders and Preordains. Uh-huh. And, uh, like, it still was hard, because people just, like, you know, have all this hate against you. And the deck's pretty bad if you don't have Pyromancer Ascension to play. Because you're just like, Ponder, Preordain... <laughs> like you, have, you know, you're just like, oh look, I have an ascension. They're like, play something that kills your ascension. You're like, sad face. <laughs> I find it too funny that we're naming like we're talking about probe, we're talking about ponder, preordain, and they all get countered by mental misstep. <laughs> <laughs> um, Alex, you don't have a card. I want to ask your opinion of battles, uh, batter skull. That what the equipment? Uh, well, right. How about you, you say s- what it does? Okay, the equipment's five to cast. It's a living weapon. Equipped creature gets plus four, plus four, and vigilance, and lifelink. And uh, equipped cost is pretty expensive at five, but you can uh, play uh, tap three to return Battle Skull to its owner's hand. So then there's obviously all these Stoneforge uh, tactics uh, that come to mind. And, and I know Stoneforge does see some play, well, at least... Locally, people play it in some decks. So, is this a legacy equipment? Um, well, I think the card's going to be like ridiculous in Type Two. I think it's going to completely change the format. But okay. like in Legacy, I think it's it's too slow, in my opinion. Like you're like turn two Stone Forge, turn three put it in, and then they're like play Dark Ritual, play Ad Nauseum, you know. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, but wait, I want to swing with my batter skull. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or even better, you know, like they let let that happen, and then like you know they let you attack attack like four times or something, and then they play high tide and like go off, you know. Yeah, or then they just Quasali Pride Major. Well, it actually has a clause to let it bounce it back to your hand, right? But for uh, free, right? No. Oh, it costs like three mana. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, like, which is, we're talking about legacy like, where decks run like 18 to 20 lands. Come on, dude. <laughs> Give it the program. Well, anyways, so no, I don't think the card's going to be nuts and good in legacy. I think it's going to be nuts, nuts, nuts in type two. But. Okay, so we're not talking about type two. Let's talk more about legacy. Okay, well, a card that definitely I think I've heard a lot of different opinions on is surgical extraction. Again, it's a Phyrexian mana card. It's a one Phyrexian black, so you can pay one black or two life. Mm-hmm. It's an instant, and you choose target card in a graveyard other than a basic land card. Search its owner's graveyard, hand, and library for any number of cards with the same name as that card, and exile them. Then that player shuffles his or her library. So basically, it's an extirpate for Phyrexian instead of black and no split second. And it can be countered by mental misstep. <laughs> of course. Well, that's what not split second means, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, but it also means that the card costs one mana. So anyways, uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, do you think, I, I think it'll see, like, fringe play, like, a couple in the sideboard here and there. Um, you know, maybe some, like, off-color decks that are not black will try to have, like, four in the board if, like, a crazy combo deck emerges or something, but I don't really, yeah, I don't, I mean, it's a sideboard card, if anything, you know? I think it's going to see no play at all. <laughs> oh, I didn't expect that. <laughs> from, me, from me, I, me, I think, I think it's, uh, it's just bad, yeah. You totally shut that down. Why? It's like, like, to me, like, if 
if you have black mana, you're gonna play extra fate, and if you don't, you're gonna play Tormod script. That's it. That's it. <laughs> <laughs> That's it. I don't. I don't know if Alex. Uh, this is Alex. There, there's better. There's better graveyard hate options, I think, than that. Yeah, but this is like for stuff like combo decks, like High Tide, or like uh, you know this Welder combo deck. Didn't we? Didn't we have this discussion like that? This was bad, like against those. Yeah, yeah, it's it's bad, but we're talking about seeing play. There's a lot of things that are bad that see play in Legacy. Come on. Well, we're trying to help the players, not yeah, like we the... see you play, right? <laughs> <laughs> but no, KYT, what's your opinion on the card? Uh, I, my opinion's always been, it's. I think you've mentioned this, or maybe I read on and PV's written about this. Like, I've never been a fan of these type of effects, like cranial extraction or or things that don't um, affect. I think if, board, it, right? if it was cranial extraction for one, then yes, it would see play, but... <laughs> right, right. Until you can get the card that you want to remove, like, in their graveyard, it's, <laughs> it takes two cards to stop them, and it's, it, seem, it just seems bad. Okay, so... Moving on, I think... Oh, well, let me... I, I haven't said my opinion of the card. Yeah, yeah, I want to hear think, Alex's I mean, opinion. I mean, I definitely think that a lot of you you listening will probably probably like the card a lot. Like, I, you know, when it was first spoiled, which was before the rest of the set, I had a large Facebook argument with uh, some people who thought the card was insane. But uh, I am really not a big fan. I mean, I think Extra Paid is is basically superior to this card in most situations. Like, um, I think when you want a card like this, you're generally going to play Black Discard. Like, that's when it's best, because an effect like Cranial Extraction or, you know, Memora Side, you can name any card, right? They don't have to have already played it. It could be in their hand. You could potentially name the card and get rid of it before they've even, you know, played the card. Whereas with Surgical Extraction or Extirpate, they already have to have, like, played it or gotten into their graveyard somehow, before you can play the card, um, you know, obviously turn you know turn one thoughtsies and surgical extraction their combo piece or whatever is sounds really good, and but like, you know, with an extra pay you're generally going to be able to do that anyways just the next turn and they won't be able to counter your extra pay. Like the fact that you don't have to be blacked for it is not that relevant in my opinion. I really think most cards like this, you have to consider that like the real cost is the card you're spending and the and the slots that it's taking up in your deck. So uh, if you guys disagree with us, because I think they seem we pr- seem pretty unanimous, right? That this card's not going to see much play. It's pretty that it's not yeah. very good. Yeah, so well, if you guys I, disagree, I, you know, feel free like, to speak up in the comments. It's not that it's not going to see much play. It's just that it's not good. <laughs> uh, I think it's definitely like, we'll see well, some play. We're also talking about legacy, you know, because like in standard, like this is the card that makes sure that your Vengevine deck is not going to do shit, you know, <laughs> anytime soon. The thing is, isn't there a card called Primeval Titan that does that already? <laughs> uh, doesn't shout out to Smitty, by the way. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, that was good. So, um. Anything else that you guys think we'll see playing Legacy? I got a I got a list here of stuff that oh. I think is. Oh. I just want to quickly touch on Dark Steel Relic. Think uh, <laughs> definitely going to see a lot of play. 
in my affinity deck. No, I'm kidding. Are you serious? Okay. There's still a lot of plays. Locking <laughs> up Moxes. <laughs> I was I was like, wait a second, KYT. You're saying this is going to see play and surgical extraction's not? Okay. <laughs> I think maybe if it was like, I don't know. I actually can't think of, maybe if it was a creature and I was playing when I, a creature, I don't know. When I read the card, I was like, yeah, maybe if that card did something, it could be good. <laughs> Anything. If it just like, yeah, at the top of your library or scryed or something, you know? <laughs> so it like. It could have given, like, it could give you like life or something. <laughs> but it does nothing. But it gives it you. Does, it does nothing. <laughs> if you need it. No, no, come on. Null Rod does nothing. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, yeah, talking about two mana artifacts, um, Torpor Orb is an interesting one. Cost two. Yeah. Artifact, as I just said. Creatures entering the battlefield don't cause abilities to trigger. I think that's an interesting one. I, probably not as much in Legacy as in, like, standard and stuff, but, uh. But in I Legacy mean, too, right? Well, what creatures do you have that really, like, trigger well, when they enter don't, play? Don't you play this with Phyrexian Dreadnought? Right, you can play, play it with your own creatures. Yeah, so you, you know, can, like, like, play it with And, and it does also, and it also is really sweet against goblins, actually, right? Yeah, because their ringleader doesn't get them, like, a million cards or their matron. Siege gang. Siege gang. Like, so it, it seems... It's definitely on my list of we'll see play in Legacy. Like, I feel like... I feel like um, this card is good. At, like, there might be, like, a... Like I said, a Dreadnought deck or, like, a Haunted Horror or whatever that is. That's 7-7 seven, seven for two black. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that, uh, you know, I mean, that seems a little, I don't know, maybe not so, as good, but, but definitely the Phyrexian Dreadnought angle, and it also it shuts off, like, other things, like you were saying, you know, like, uh, the goblins and the, um, some of the elf triggers it shuts off, and, you know. I mean, I could see the scene playing Legacy. So instead of stifling your, the Dreadnought, you play this? Yeah, you probably play okay. Stifle and this. Okay. Just, just wanted to ask. Frank, because because disruption to the deck, yeah. It seems it seems like a card that has a lot of interaction with other cards. You know, like there's so many come into play effect basically. So that it seems it seems like a, a reasonable card, and it does stop all the titans in uh, in standard at least. Huh. Well, it stops them when well, you the play first, them. If yeah, they get the every to attack. If they ever get to attack, then you're pretty screwed. Yeah. Plus, they also have a 6-6, six, six, you know? Usually, 6-6s six, require answers. Uh, whatever. I think someone tweeted this uh, and said that this card could is like a trap. So, I I do wonder if, if this card is actually good. It, what do it you reminds, I'm not sure either. It, it reminds me of the card, you know, um, I don't remember the name, but like it's the amulet that makes everything that comes into play... Uh, Tapped? Tapped, like untapped, you know? I think it's pretty different, because this one has a lot broader usage, I think. Like, the amulet was just like, hey, look, my bounce lens now are, like, so sweet. Check it out. <laughs> you know? And, like, th this one's like, hey, look, now my, you know, I don't have to have a stifle for my dreadnought. I don't, like, I don't have to care about any of your goblins. I don't have to care about uh, your squadron hawk stone forges. Titans, at least for a while, etc. Yeah, so, like, why would this card be a trap, so to speak? 
Well, I think people like are maybe talking about playing it main deck in Type Two or something, and I think that's probably overkill. Yeah, I think so too. I mean, but but KYT, you said that someone said it was a trap, right? Right. I know it's one of those. I don't. I can't really say why, but just if were they comparing it to Summoner's Trap? <laughs> I don't know. Misses. <laughs> I don't think in that sense, but it's one of those. I can't think off the top of my head a, a card. It just like I think what he means is a card that looks really, really good on paper, but when like you actually play it, it's just total shit. Like you'll top deck it and be like, you know. Like the the impression that I have is like it's the type of card that like if you build your deck around it and then you don't draw it, then your deck's just bad. <laughs> and uh, if you're like if you're kind of like sideboarding it against like I don't see it. I don't see it that much as a sideboard card. Like, what do you side it against? You know, like, I, I think in, and I don't want to talk about standard, but I think in standard it's more of a sideboard card. In legacy, you build it with like, um, you know, enlightened tutor and like dreadnought and stuff. Yeah, that's pretty cool to to have a deck where it's not like an anti card. It's like it helps you. So yeah. and then like you arbitrarily yeah. get value out of it by right, having it, right. you know. It's pretty cool. Yeah, you like play it against. You get like a buy against goblins. <laughs> They're like, "What the hell?" <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> turn two against goblins. You're like, "Bam!" <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I don't. I'm still. I'm still gonna wait for to see what happens with this card. Yeah. Okay, so, well, another card I think is really good. If if we can go on to other cards. John has a list though. So. Well, I still have one more. One more, one, okay. One that uh, everybody was anticipating this set to have. It's it's uh, something a samurai might carry. Let's let's see if you guys can figure that one out. <laughs> oh, it's the sword of, of uh, Warren East. Yes. So, like its predecessors, this one costs three, gives the equipped creature plus two plus two, and has protection from this one, red and white. I think those are actually the best colors in Legacy to have protection from. Would you guys agree in terms of removal? Uh, I would have agreed maybe like six months ago, but with all the um, Team America and like the go for the throats and stuff, it just seems like that has become less true. But it is good for sure because Swords of Power and Lightning Bolt, you know. Right, and so whenever equipped creature deals combat damage to a player, Sword of War and Peace deals damage to that player equal to the number of cards in his or her hand, and you gain one life for each card in your hand, and equip two. So I actually think this sword's pretty good. In all formats? Yeah. Okay. Well, I think it's really bad, actually, in... Uh, <laughs> in I think you don't want it in sealed package. <laughs> Do you draft. think so? If you guys are drafting with me, just pass it along. <laughs> Do you think it's like feast and famine good? Do you think it's like uh, like fire and ice good? Like, wh- where uh, do you think it falls on the sword like scale? Okay, it's it's not fire and ice good. It okay. Doesn't say draw a card on it. That's my. Those are my like favorite three words in magic. <laughs> <laughs> but. Uh, Protection from red is a pretty sweet one. Protection from white is pretty sweet. Like, I thought the sword would be really good, even if it didn't have any ability, just protection from red and white. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the ability is pretty sweet. Like, obviously it gets worse as the game goes on, which is when, like, you nor- most of the other swords are really good, is 
like later later in the game when mm-hmm. you know you're just moving them around with like all your mana. This one's better like earlier on. Um, one of the cool things about it is that you can attack the player and then do the damage to the planeswalker that they have. Yeah, that's so sick. like <laughs> I don't know. Again, saying you know the dreaded word cobblade. Uh, you know, in that deck, you'd often you know be forced with your guy with the sword and feast and famine to attack their jace to kill it. Now you can still you can attack them and like still kill our Jace, which is pretty sweet. It's crazy. <laughs> Plus, like yeah. if you get this thing going early in the game, like they have like five or six cards in hand. That's like freaking beating. Like you just any <laughs> random two two is like a turn two clock with this thing. <laughs> Not yeah. to mention like the life you're gaining. So yeah, in Legacy, where like... would you would you rate it right after Sword of Fire and Ice, or would you? Um, like, where, like, yeah, where's I the swords for me? I think, like, I think I would probably rate it after Sword of Fire and Ice and Legacy. Like, I don't think Sword of Feast and Famine's that good in Legacy, because the untapping your land, like, lands is not as big a bonus, because you're normally, like, playing cheap spells anyways. <laughs> okay. Whereas but in Tattoo, you, like, you know, you're untapping your lands, you're playing really kitty. Yeah, but, like, you know, you're... You, you're probably, like, playing Stoneforges with your swords, and so you're probably playing Swords and Plowshares with your, you know... You, so you have, you have, like, all the swords, you know? Yeah, but we're like, talking about, like... sword dot deck or whatever. <laughs> yeah, but we're talking about, like, the sword on its own merit, you know, not, like, combined with Swords to Plowshare, right? Well, I mean... What, like... You're playing it with creatures, right? So... And they're playing Obviously. against Tarmogoyf. Like, what are is in your deck? Because... No card exists in a vacuum, right? Like, it's like, man, you know, Ancestor Recall is pretty awful if there's no cards that tap for blue mana, right? Yeah, obviously. <laughs> so, so like, <laughs> like if you're sort of War and Peace is in, in a deck, you know, that doesn't have any creatures, for instance, it's obviously terrible. And if you have no creatures that can attack past the Tarmogoyf anyways, like... It's not so good, but, you know, you probably have your own Tarmogoyfs or sorts of Plowshares or, like, Exalted, I mean, or, like, Evasion of some kind, or you've got, like, you know, some kind of Merfolk that taps down creatures, whatever. Yeah, I mean, with all this, I, I, I avoid your, your Magic Fantasy Land because it's like, <laughs> or or they have a Kazali Pride Mage and they blow up your sword, like, and then none of this matters, right? Like... Well. Well, John just wants you to rank them. Do it. <laughs> so just rank them for me. <laughs> so uh, you would say Sword of Fire and Ice. Le- rank them in Legacy. In Legacy, yeah. yeah I don't want to hear about like, why, why, why can't I rank them all in Type 2? Like, you know, the swords that aren't Type 2 legal in Type 2. Hey, if you want a Type 2 podcast, go make a Type 2 podcast. This is the premier <laughs> Legacy podcast. I don't it's want a Type 2 podcast. It's the premier Legacy <laughs> then stop so, talking about it. Talk about these I, swords and legacy. All right, so I'd say Sword of Fire and Ice, number one. Sword of War and Peace, number two. Uh, Sword of Feast and Famine, number three. Sword of Light and Shadow, number four. And Sword of Body and Mind, number five. Hmm. You agree with that list, John? <laughs> no, I would switch the Feast and Famine and the, and the War and Peace. Okay. Fair enough. Like, but the other ones I agree with. Like, well, if I agreed with you, we'd both be wrong. <laughs> <laughs> so, so yeah. I mean, will this see legacy play? Sure, in the Stoneforge deck, right? 
Is there a Stoneforge deck that's doing well at Star City Games? I mean, Open? there's Does a Stoneforge I, I, deck out there. Junk and Taxes, right? And, uh, well, I think this card, again, as you said, John, like earlier, that right now Team America is doing well. And I think if the format, you know, warps, like it, it's prone to do, it has, you know, shifts in the metagame and stuff and to the point where Team America is like not the best, one of the best decks. Like I think Sword of War and Peace then gets a lot better because people would be playing, you know, white and red removal and stuff. And they'll be like, fuck, why can't I block <laughs> your guy or kill your guy or do anything to your guy? And you're like, ha ha. Take six, I gain six. Like, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. I don't... I'm just looking through the list and trying to find a Stoneforge deck. Like, green-white aggro? <laughs> yeah, there's definitely Stoneforge decks out there, dude. But they just play, like, one Umazawa's GTA. I no, think, no, there's certain decks that run even Sword of Feast and Famine in Legacy. Okay, because I think I want to play Sword Dot deck now. <laughs> really? <laughs> play, like, you guys... One of all five swords, four yeah. Stone Forge, four Swords to Plowshares. There should uh, be a card. Like like a... The... There's got to be a Sword of the Meek as well, plus like Thopter Foundries. Yeah, like I was talking about that on Twitter the other day. Is like I think if you put Stone Forge in a counterbalance shell, remember and you said Crazy Talk, right? Uh, KYT. Yeah. Yeah, I think if you put Stoneforge Mystic in a counterbalance shell or like a um like with the Sword of the Meek and the Thopter Foundry, like I think that'd be pretty legit. Hmm. You know, I think John, that's the first time I heard you miss say the name of our cast. <laughs> crazy Oh, crazy talk. That's better. That's better. I don't have to so, slap you around. <laughs> so what else do you think we'll see play? I I still have a list, but uh I wanna see if I can milk well, you for I, more. When I look down here at the lands under Frexia's core, which uh-huh. I don't think you see play, there's Island, Plains, <laughs> Mountain, Forest. I think yeah. all of those are going to see some play. Okay. Some more than others. Awesome. I have one down. I, I think the Zendikar land made those uh, obsolete. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, John, I, I do want, I don't know if this is on your list, but one that I want to talk about seems to be. Uh, tweeted by some people on my feed, at least, is, uh, Spells Kite? Is that gonna be any good in any format? Spells Kite. Yeah. The two, it's a two, it's an artifact creature, it's a horror, for two colorless mana. It's a horror! It's a zero four, but for Phyrexian mana, you, or blue, right? I think you can change a target of target spell or ability to Spells Kite. So, uh, I didn't have it on the list, but let me look. Some people are excited about this card, and I just wonder why. <laughs> uh, spells kite. I don't even see it, dude. They're lying to you, KYT. It's in the artifact section. I know that, man. That's what it, Alex. Any thoughts while John double checks it? Um. Oh, I see. I don't know. Yeah, I'm. I'm not. On I, what page of the God Book is it? <laughs> <laughs> so, so let's put this in legacy context. Like, what spells would you be changing the target to spell kite? Lightning wow. bolt. I can't. I can't spell kite all the all the brain freezes. <laughs> no, <laughs> kill myself. <laughs> you can't. You can't you can only change it to Spellskite. Oh, yeah, I can't even do that. Wow. 
Um, can't change the target of him or duress or thought sees or, you know, anything that doesn't target creatures. Yeah, because it has to be a legal target for you to change it, right? So is this card just garbage? I don't think uh, it's just... In, in, in Legacy, If for Legacy purposes, like I don't think this will see play. Man, John never throws out any rares, okay? He puts them in his <laughs> trade binder, and then he gets, like, mental missteps. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, I got so many of those. Holy smokes. <laughs> so, How come um, you have cards and they're not released yet? <laughs> oh, good question, Frank. I pre-ordered so many. I don't have them. Putting him on the spot there. So spell, I, spell Skite, do you think, Frank, that this will see play? <laughs> it's a horror. Oh, the horror. <laughs> Man, you copycat you. Uh, I, I would say, like, it could see play. But you're probably bad if you're playing it. <laughs> <laughs> Is he playing the horror tribal deck? Because you know, he keeps mentioning that it's a horror, so... Yeah, I mean, so is Phyrexian Revoker, so maybe you got something going on there. Oh, man. Um, your deck's affinity list is going to be a horror affinity deck. Like, I can foresee a situation where, like, you're trying to attack with your sorted guy, and like they're they're trying to kill it with removal, and then you're like, ha ha, spell skite. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because you know that while you have the spell skite on the board, they're going to use the removal. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's not like an in, a flash creature. Yeah. <laughs> then, then, then maybe, then maybe. Yeah, isn't yeah. that just a counter spell at that point? Like, shouldn't you just be running the counter spell? <laughs> Well, yeah, if they're trying to lightning uh, bolt it or something, uh, you probably wouldn't be running the misstep. Yeah. <laughs> so okay, uh, let's go to your list. The list. <laughs> um, okay, Elish Norn. I want to play that on my dredge deck. I feel like that's a that's this pretty sweet like sideboard card. Whoa. Talking about reanimation targets though, briefly. What about the blue one? That guy just seems like insane in like EDH or like if you're reanimating him. Jin Jix this ah I can't I can't <laughs> I just failed there. Yeah, that guy seems insane. Uh, let's He's, read him real quick. Yeah, can you, okay. Let's hear you say his name. Is, is he Asian? Oh no. <laughs> Uh, you have to say his name in in French. <laughs> Jin, Jin Gitaxis Corp. Oh, yeah, there you go. Say Good it, Frank. Frankie. For eight colorless and two blue mana. That's right. He's a ten mana creature. The legendary creature Praetor. He's a mystic. He's got bear. flash too. He I just saw flash. that man. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that guy is. Uh, he seems pretty insane. The only thing, like for like reanimation, that I can think of is, like, it seems like because he has no protection at all, like an Inkwell Leviathan has, like, Shroud or whatever, uh, it just seems like he, you know... I mean, if he sticks, sure, it's insane. You probably just win, but at the same time, he's, like, a 5-5 five five with no evasion and no protection. Or well, they, five have four. Kill, they really have to kill him that turn, though, because they can't yeah. play all seven cards. Yeah. It's, wow, it's really ridiculous. <laughs> okay, so, wait, yeah, before, so, yeah, it has Flash. At the beginning of your end step, draw seven cards. 
Yeah, it's not a one-time thing. That's every freaking hand step. (laughs) And each opponent's maximum hand size is reduced by seven. You know what everybody's normal maximum hand size is? Seven. (laughs) Seven means that they are not allowed to keep any cards in their hand at the end of turn. So the cool thing is if you're actually hardcasting this guy, which I guess in EDH you would be, but (laughs) seems unlikely in any other format. You know, you can you you play them at the end of their turn, and, like, after they've tapped out for stuff, you know, let's say, hopefully, like, some draw spell to fill up their hand, and then you're just like, hey, this guy. <laughs> and then suddenly, in their discard step, they have to discard down to zero cards. <laughs> yeah, but we're talking about like, reanimating them, though, Yeah, right? so now when you're reanimating this guy, it's pretty sweet, actually, because you, you hopefully have, like, you know, at least some cards left in your hand. Then you're drawing seven. <laughs> and then you know, and then you can just you probably you'd have to dis- you're gonna have to discard some of those cards because you're gonna have like nine cards in your hand. Mm-hmm. And you know, Reanimator likes discarding cards because it likes discarding <laughs> you know, like some couple fatties or whatever. And you say go. And you have seven cards that are all like insane to protect this guy in your next turn to whatever they do and try and fight against it. And if they don't manage to fight against it, well, guess what? They're not gonna have a hand at the end of the turn. Yeah, this guy's really good if you get him out. Yeah, but the getting him out is the uh, tricky part, I think. Yeah, but I mean, and also, it's just like the question is like, is a five four? Like, what are you gonna do with that? You can't probably can't even swing through a Tarmogoy sometimes, you know? Well, I think like, what you're gonna do is you're gonna draw seven extra cards. <laughs> <laughs> but like, if can it? There's no other type of deck besides Reanimator, I guess. And if Reanimator is gonna tell, be, but like, why would you? You would not put that in over. Progenitus or Emrakul. Yeah. Okay. Because, like, if Reanimator is going to be a tier nothing deck, then... I want to <laughs> play this this card, this legendary creature, but... Like, I think I think that card, like, it completely breaks uh, EDH, man. Like, the first person that's going to play this to me in EDH, I'm going to punch him in the face. <laughs> <laughs> Can you play it as your general to this legendary? Oh, and then you like, just play, why, like, Grim why did he print that card, man? That card is... That card <laughs> is just bad, man. Oh, and man. What if you're playing against that guy and you have, like, Consecrated Sphinx in play? <laughs> each of their, and their end step, you draw 14 cards. <laughs> then all you need is, like, a little and Anticipation or something, and you're just gonna wreck them. Oh man! <laughs> or it's so, even better, you're just like, um, I'll I'll untap, I'll play a sore of temptation, I'll steal your guy. What's up? I'll send <laughs> oh, my yeah. step. I'll draw seven. Go ahead. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. And then they have to discard. That's awesome. Yeah, I'd love to sower this guy in Legacy. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, it's like the you know the the stories of like. Show and tell, it's like, resolves. It's like, I'll put an Ember Pool. I'll put in Sword of Temptation. Like, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for the Ember Cool, bro. I I was playing against Show and Tell, and I kept uh, a dredge hand with uh, no... I had, like, two dredgers, no discard outlet, and a, um, I had drawn my, my uh, Blazing Archon. So I was just like, yeah, I don't care if you resolve show and tell. I'm just going to keep this hand. I'm going to put the Archon in play, and then I'm going to dredge back my uh, my freaking uh, Angel Despair and blow up his Emrakul or whatever. So, yeah, it was pretty sweet. I, I beat him with only, like, I just kept the hand, 
uh, drew because I, uh, I was on the uh, draw, and then I discarded my very grave troll. <laughs> <laughs> so. Wow. Well, uh, well, that was fascinating. Um, are there any? So you, you wanted to continue with the cards on your list? He was talking about Elish Norn, and it seems like it's just better than Massacre Worm. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's it's a constant like uh, it's like having two. Um, what's that card that they play against tribal decks? Uh, Engineer Plague. Plague. It's like having two Engineer Plague in play, and it also makes your zombies bigger. Seems good. Well, the thing with Massacre Worm, though, sometimes you just like kill them. Yeah. Yeah, but this guy is like, you know, he just comes down and friggin' bam. <laughs> yeah, you know, I, the thing I find with both this guy and Massacre Worm and like Dredge when you're animating a guy, it seems like a little bit like overkill to me. It's just like win more, you know? Yeah. I mean, Blast like, probably does the same work, you know? Yeah, or like, you know, Iona, whatever, something. something yeah, Iona that, doesn't do the same work because if they have a team, then they just swing through your Iona and kill you. Yeah, the thing is, like, Dredge, you're trying to, like, reanimate something turn two, aren't you? You know? And, like... Yeah, but it doesn't always happen. It doesn't always happen. So, like, you need something that's going to be good when you can't reanimate on turn two. Like, you can't always count on having something good that happens on turn two, you know? Like, if turn two was, like, if you reanimated something every turn two, then I would just rather have that dude that lets me draw seven cards and (laughs) take this card, you know? Like, if I'm going to hit a turn two every time, you know? Like, is this better? How does these effects like Masker Worm and this compare to Blazing Archon? Well, the Blazing Archon is better against Amrakul decks, you know? Okay. Uh, so, like, but against, like, a, a Merfolk or a Goblin deck, I would rather have the Elish Norn. Really? Yeah. Why? Because the Elish Norn is kind of like a... Um, if I have zombies, I wipe their team and swing through with with four force. You know, the thing Whereas, is, you don't always wipe their team. Like if Mer- Merfolk Merfolk is a deck that's like Merfork. all <laughs> or you. So uh... <laughs> I, I forked your mom last night. <laughs> well, I turned, okay. I turned yours over with a fork <laughs> while she was done. All right, stick so, a fork at this joke. It's done. <laughs> so. <laughs> Um, you know, if you have two Lord of Atlant- two lords, you know, then their guys aren't going to all die from your minus two, minus two. That's in Magic you know? Fantasy Land. If they have a hundred lords, sure, they're not oh. going to die. <laughs> well, but they are going to be a lot smaller. Isn't, well, yeah, I mean, but you could also just go in cold water or whatever. But I, I, uh, I mean, their dudes are going to be smaller and your, your zombies are going to be bigger. So it's just fine, you know? Well, like, I mean, if you're playing the blue ver- the blue-black version like you were playing, right, with yeah. underground seas... They could, like, you know, Lord of Atlantis kill you. Whereas Not the really, because their dudes are negative two, negative two each. They're going to hit me for one each dude, and I'm going to crack back with zombies that are four fours. I mean, I guess, but if you have a Blazing Archon against Merfolk, don't you, aren't you, like, 100% winning? How can they beat that? Yeah. I mean, if you're reanimating turn two, have they played two lords? Well, okay, if you're animating, <laughs> going back, like, going gotcha. animating turn two, like, you know, there's a lot of better targets, as you yourself said. 
Yeah, but, I'm, you know, I'm if, if, you're, if you're reanimating turn five, let's say, you know, like worst case scenario, yeah. pretty much, <clears throat> and you get back this guy or Blazing Archon, like this guy, Merfolk, you know, let's say they have a one percent chance of killing you, and you get Black Blazing Archon, they have a zero percent chance of killing you. Well, you know, maybe I'm, I'm not as good at math as like KYT because I'm not Asian, but like, isn't zero less than one? <laughs> they also have Coral Helm commanders that fly, and so. I mean, they can block your Graves and Archon. They can double block it and kill it, you know? Like, you know, if if they have double Lords and a, and a Coral Helm Commander, then your Blazing Archon isn't really doing anything, you know? But they can't win, I think. Like, Well, your Elish Norn is, like, kind of getting... You're kind of getting screwed if they have double Lord and Coral Helm Commander, right? That's That's what I'm saying. So, like... If I'm getting screwed either way, I'd rather have something that wipes their team and pumps Well, I, in, in one situation, there was a Coral Helm Commander and two Lords, and the other, there were just two Lords. Yeah, but even at two Lords, they're one-ones. Well, what if you're a two-life? <laughs> see, this is Magic <laughs> Fantasy Land. So anyways, I can see, like, both. I, I can, like, what, I see what the... Um, the advantage kind of of uh, Elish is that like they can't really develop their board, you know, while right. it's in there, you know. I mean, I guess, I and, guess, and, and like if 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 you just have the uh, if you just have the blazing archon, like if they bounce it or something, and and then like they or like they can, uh, well, I guess if they sour it, like uh, you're getting screwed both ways, but. Uh, you're, well, actually, you're, no, like, that actually is, that's a good point, Frankie, actually, that's, you know, Elish Norn is definitely better against Sower of Temptation, because uh, they play the Sower, and they target your Elish Norn, but their Sower's dead. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that's pretty good, then. Yeah, that was my point all along. <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> oh, but, like, if, like, the, th- the thing is, let's say with Archon, they can, like, put all their guys on the board... Then bounce it and kill you. Right. That's that's kind of a possibility. Yeah. Right, but like generally speaking, Merfolk decks don't play bounce spells. Yeah. Yeah, but then, like you said, either way, they can't develop with the Elish Norn where they can with the with the Archon. Well, anyways, let's just agree that they're both very good to have and play against Merfolk. Yeah, I can see myself wanting one over the other in, in different situations. Uh, yeah. Next on the list. <laughs> I guess I guess we move, like, before I move on to the next on the list, also in Goblins, like, if you play this against Goblins, you have the same benefit where you're not letting them develop a board, whereas before with the, with the Blazing Archon, they can just play a bunch of dudes and then, like, burn your Archon. Yeah, I was I was thinking about that. I was looking up Gem Palm Incinerator. Yeah. So. so so anyways, this is what I want on the sideboard of my dredge deck. Elish Norn. <laughs> um The other card that I want to talk about, I don't necessarily want to say it'll see play, is Despise. What do you Despise. guys think? Do you think they'll see play in Legacy? No. Oh, let me read Despise. Sorry for the audience. It's uh <laughs> it's one black sorcery, target opponent reveals his or her hand, uh, you choose a creature or planeswalker from it, and that player discards that card. I think I've talked about, 
I don't know how many discarded spells people play, but I remember in episode one where I was talking about budget options, about Inquisition and stuff, and Alex or one of you guys shut me down and just said, you know, you just play Thought Seasons, and that's it. So I'm assuming in Legacy this isn't going to see that much play, I imagine, unless you want more discard spells. Yeah, I think that um, from my perspective... Like, the decks that you want to discard spell against are not really decks with creatures or planeswalkers, so to speak. I mean, against the control deck, sure, they're good, and, like, you might want to take a planeswalker, but at that, at that point, this card basically reads, um, you know, one black, discard a planeswalker. Which is like, why wouldn't you just run a Thoughtseize at that point? Yeah, like, I yeah, just I, don't I, see why you'd play this over Thoughtseize and Legacy. Yeah, I think I think they made that card for standard. And if you're gonna supplement in Legacy, I'd I'd probably rather see like duress or Inquisition. Right, that's what that's a good question. If you had to supplement, what's no no? I'm not talking about yeah. supplement. I'm just talking okay. about like, in addition to thoughts. Okay, okay, in addition. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know which one I'd choose out of the the three options that you just mentioned, like despise Inquisition. And duress. Um, how would you guys rank these three in uh, legacy? <laughs> duress, Inquisition, Despise. I Alex, would, I would, I would unfortunately agree with you. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Frank, I I agree too. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so. So despise, we probably just agree that it probably won't see much play. Unless, in legacy. Like, in, in legacy, unless it becomes like some deck that is not out right now that just gets crazy. Um, here's some other ones that I want to talk about. Beast within. Three mana, uh, a green and two colorless, and it says uh, destroy target permanent. Its controller puts a 3-3 three, three beast. I think Frank's excited about it because he tweet, tweeted about it. The Green Vindicate. <laughs> yeah, the people, you know, it says uh, destroy target permanence control the prison beast token into the battlefield. What do you think? I was I was having a discussion. I, I was predicting that they might uh, they might print a card in green to answer Planeswalker, and uh, my uh, my prediction was actually destroy target non land non-creature permanent and then they came up with this <laughs> <laughs> what do you think about this in Legacy you think it'll see play I like um, I think um, like there's a deck that's under the radar it's it's called it's a green uh, callous aggro I think it could play that yeah callous aggro Chalice. Oh, yeah. Chalice Agra. Oh, Chalice Stompy? Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, so you don't see this in, like, junk decks or anything? Mm. I'm not, like, I'm, I'm not sure if they're going to go for that. Hmm. Like, think what, what, are you, what are you trying to destroy? Like, <laughs> your like, opponent. What, what color, like, the junk deck, what color is it? It's like green, black, and uh, white. So why are, why aren't you playing Vindicate? Well, this is instant speed too. 
right? Yeah, it seems it seems like to me it seems like the like some green decks like they're gonna play uh, like they'd rather play just scrolls and grip or or other type of creature removal. Oh, I see. So more specific answers, and not they don't really need something like this. Yeah, I mean the other thing is you could kill something of your own and then have a beast. Yeah, that's that's probably <laughs> not like a very good option. Yeah, like <laughs> like you kill your Tarmogoyth and you get a three three beast. I mean, like at the end of turn, you can kill one of your lands and then kill them with creatures. You know, I mean, you don't need lands if you win, right? Like, I think I think if it sees play in uh, Legacy, it sees play only in mono green. You know. Because yeah. if you're if you're splashing for another color, there's probably a better option to remove creatures or like green. Green can also like can already get like the other problem permanence, naturalizing that type of stuff. Yeah, <laughs> dark steel relic. KYC's talking about dark steel relic. Okay, so yeah, KYC's um, asking if yeah, yeah. I guess I, dark steel relic does he does he, does he get <laughs> The answer is yes, you do because the card reads destroy target permanent. Each controller puts a three-three green beast token onto the battlefield. While the spell tries to do as much as it possibly can, so it tries to destroy target permanent. It can't do that. Its controller puts a three-three green beast creature onto the battlefield that it can do, and it will. All right. So there we go. What beast inside of the dark steel relic? We just broke it. We just broke. <laughs> so far, we've only found how many cards we have that we think will actually see play. Well, we so got mental misstep and torpor orb, and we got Elish Norn that uh, in your sideboard. Elish Norn in my sideboard. Well, it's actually a card that uh, listener of the cast asked uh, asked me to talk about because he thinks it's not very good. But apparently, a lot of people on forums and stuff are calling it "quote the new survival" end quote. And this card is Birthing Pod. So it's an artifact for three colorless and one Frexian green mana. It's pay a colorless and a Frexian green, tap it, sacrifice a creature, search your library for a creature card with converted mana cost equal to one, plus the sacrifice creature's converted mana cost. Put that card onto the battlefield, then shuffle your library. Activate its ability only time you could cast a sorcery. Hmm. I say so this is not the new survival. <laughs> well, it, again, we are in agreement. <laughs> <laughs> um, I actually think this card's a little more similar to Food Chain, sort of. Yeah, I see survival. what you're saying. Um, I mean, really, the one of the big things with survival is that you could chain it, so that you could get you would get multiple activations out of it all at once. And with Birthing Pod fact that it costs effectively three mana and two life, let's say, to play, and then it costs another mana and two life to activate it, as well as sacrificing a creature and only at sorcery speed to search for a creature. Um, it's probably not probably not good enough. I think it's too slow in Legacy. Like, let's say you're nut draw, right? It's like turn one bird or something, turn two birthing pod, turn three <laughs> you finally get to activate it. And you get to sack your bird and find something that costs two. And you're like, yeah. <laughs> I'm a bitches. You should play it on turn two, maybe. 
<laughs> you well, just play the Termagoyf. You get to attack with the Termagoyf, and then you get to sack it and get a Knight of the Reliquary. And then on turn four, you get to attack with the Knight, and then you get to sack it and find, like, something <laughs> that costs four. I don't know. What, what's a sweet creature that costs four? But at this point, you're just doing this alone because the guys are... And left. The the creature that costs four that uh, that KYT likes is the troll. Oh, <laughs> run, run! The yeah, troll. the last troll. Mm. Yeah, KYT. I heard you like them so much. You had two of them in play at one point. Yeah, I love them. I love <laughs> casting them. <laughs> it feels so good. So you you basically, I don't know. You've basically convinced me that this card is garbage, then. <laughs> well, it's, it's probably good in Type 2, but... It's not not for Legacy, I don't think it's good. Well, if the question is, like... I mean, in Type 2, there's nothing really, like, fantastic to find with it, right? But in Legacy, like, it's slower, but there's a lot of good stuff to find with it. Mm-hmm. I mean, the real question is if there's something like a low converted mana cost where you can assemble like a couple of creatures in play, often like you know not casting them from your hand, mm-hmm. that can like win you the game. And yeah, so it's, obviously, it's... Mike Flores' favorite deck ever comes to mind. Hmm. Cephalid Breakfast. Come on, oh! guys. <laughs> yeah, but what would you sack to the breakfast to to get your other pieces? I have no fucking clue. <laughs> I'm mostly just trolling, Mike. Let, let me let me break it down to you. You sack your uh, your mirror enforcer, and you get something really ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, I can see where you would just like you could play this in a strategy where you get a creature that has more. Like, you get, you get a cheap creature that costs more, like you say, like a mirror enforcer for affinity, or like some other thing, but it just seems like if you're getting a creature for cheap that costs more, you wouldn't want a birthing pot it, you just want to use it. Yeah, there's a lot of, like, easier ways than birthing pot to get a big fatty into play in Legacy. Like, the only- you're spending four mana plus sacrifice, plus four life, plus sacrificing a creature, like, just to get that guy out that costs one more than the creature you have in play. Like, that's yeah, a lot of you're stuff. you're probably better off playing just Natural Order. Yeah. Yeah, or, like, if unless there's, like, a combo you can assemble with this Bursting Pod thing, I don't think uh, I don't think it's legit. Well, like, let's say you're trying to find, like, Protean Hulk or something, right? Like, yeah. off of your, let's say, off of your uh, Mirror Enforcer. Mm-hmm. And then you have to still untap like, once again your birthing pod and then use it again, <laughs> like you know, because it requires a tap in, in the activation cost. Like yeah. without that tap, like maybe it's good enough, but I think that tap, like you know, wizards put that in because they're like, hey, this card was too good. We just found so- survival. I thought, you know, we don't want another piece of garbage like screwing over other people. So I guess you just run four voltaic keys. Yeah. Oh man. <laughs> We're running a really bad deck now. I think Glistener Elf has a better chance of, the, <laughs> Dude, of that's breaking the next it one. Legacy. That's the next one on my list. Oh, I guessed it, then. Yeah, that's the next one on my list. There's a, there was that Poison deck. Have you? Do you guys remember that? The one that uses those spells that uh, you give your opponent life? The free spells? Yeah, Invigorate. invigorate. Yeah, Invigorate. And Berserk. And Berserk, so... And there's, a new, and there's a new giant growth kind of thing, right? Plus two, plus two for a Phyrexian green. Yeah, Phyrexian green. So what do you guys think about this 
actually, like, with that new giant growth and, like, invigorating stuff, what do you think about Glistener Alstenson playing Legacy? Um, I think there's always going to be some people who try decks like that, and I think they're always going to be in the O2 bracket. Uh, (laughs) All right, next next card, man. All right, so, like, this next list of cards are cards that I think, like, are interesting, but not necessarily going to see play in Legacy, but they have interesting Legacy applications. Uh, Chancellor of Annex. Now, this one says, like, it's a, let me pull it up here, it's a white, like, seven drop. It's the the white one. Yeah, and it says, uh, you may reveal this card uh, from your opening hand. If you do, each opponent... um, when each opponent casts his or her first spell of the game, counter that spell unless they play one mana. And it's a it's a it's a seven drop, a four and three three white. Uh, and then it has flying, and it has whenever an opponent casts a spell, counter it unless they pay one. It's a five six. So like I thought this was interesting. Like my first thought was uh, like when I used to run mono white stacks. Like, if you get a turn one Trinisphere, you just win the game most of the time. But the problem with that is, if you turn one Trinisphere, then sometimes they have the Force of Will. Do you understand? So, like, then you just lose because, you know, they Force of Will your Trinisphere, and maybe you get a Chalice or something. But with this card, like, if you had these in your opening hand, then it protects you from resolving that first spell when you're on the, when you're on the play. You know what I mean? And it's the perfect card to imprint on Chrome Mox. Yeah, you can imprint it. You can also use, like, um, if you use uh, a scroll rack, right? You oh, can man. Use, you can use, like, scroll rack and fetch lands to, like, uh, to, like, get rid of them after you have, like... Because if you have multiple of these, like, they can't cast a spell unless they, ca- like, pay, like, two or three. So you, like, steal their first turn. You play a lock piece... And then, like, hopefully play a scroll rack and just, like, get the stuff out of your hand, you know? If, if you have multiple in your hand, like, you're, like, basically... It's kind of bad. Because, like, they just play, like, a ponder or something, and, like, all of them trigger, and you just oh, don't yeah. pay one, like, four times, let's say. Yeah. <laughs> and you play your second spell the next turn, and there's no extra you have to pay. Yeah, but the and deck that I'm multiple. talking about this in is, like, if you if you get... Like, two turns in the beginning of uninterrupted, like, lock, then, like... Because the thing about the the stacks deck is, like, it mulligans well because once you get one lock piece in, it really messes up their game plan. Like, if you have a Chalice for one or if you have a Trinisphere, then, like, you know, or if you have, a, like, a Wasteland and Crucible, like, either of those three, like, on turn one or two, really, like, makes it an uphill battle for them. So, like, resolving one of those three, like, pieces just seems really good. But isn't the problem with the stacks deck really that, like, the consistency issue that, you know, when you have, like, turn one Trinisphere, then obviously it's insane, but when you Uh don't, like, or when you're mulliganing infinite to try and find it, then the deck's pretty awful. And, like, Um, having this guy in your deck seems like, you know, hey, look, this card could have been, like, you know, something to deal with something, and instead I've got a seven mana angel. Uh, yeah, I'm I mean, sure, you know, if it's really if it's in your opening hand, it's sweet. But like, man, imagine just drawing this for your first draw step. Like, 
Yeah, and that's why that's why I say like you would need something that that makes use of it other than turn one and turn you know whenever you're casting this thing in se- at seven you know. So you would need like either a scroll rack or you know like you say a chrome box or something that makes use of it in another way you know. But it's I think a, it's an interesting thought. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what it is. I didn't say we'll see play. This is the category of stuff that I think is like, it's interesting that you can have protection from like force of will with this thing in your opening hand. It really shows your range, man. You're thinking about the stacks deck and you're, you're <laughs> all over the place, Jonathan. Okay, well, John, let's, let's be fair though. When you're, when you're on the draw, it doesn't really protect you from force of will because they're just going to play a line and say go and then you play anything and they're going to force it and pay the one. Yeah. Yeah, if, if you're on the draw, sure. If if you're on the draw, yeah, then sure. But I mean, if you have two, then it does protect you. You know. Yeah, but it also is like you starting at five cards. Yeah, which so, is that can do. If you're on the draw and you have two, they're gonna play their brainstorm or ponder. They're gonna get that counter, and then they're gonna force whatever. Yeah. And yeah. you down three cards. <laughs> so I mean, maybe it was a, a bad thought, but it was a thought. <laughs> no, it's definitely interesting. Good it outside is the interesting. box in thinking, Jonathan Medina. Woohoo! So uh, my other thought was uh, Norn's Annex. Um, I don't think this will see play in Legacy, but like it is an interesting kind of like uh, ghostly prison effect, and you know you don't need white to run it. So like if you wanted to build, because there's blue stacks build and stuff like that. Uh, you know, this is a possibility. Well, the problem with that, though, is, like, paying two mana, which, like, the other ones make them do, is uh-huh. very different from two life. Like, because sure. you're going to be the controlling deck that's trying to lock them out, right? Yeah. So they're going to have, like, 20 life they can play with, whereas you, you know, probably not going to have 20 life. Yeah, it's definitely not... It's not the same as... Because the other thing is the the other one combos nicely with Armageddon, because if you, like play a ghostly prison and then get in it's like just like free walk you know you don't right. get beat up on by creatures but I, I thought that this was an interesting card and uh, it's something that's worth mentioning um, would you play like like Alex makes it sound like you're never going to use it in like control type versus aggro would it, would it be could it possibly be like an aggro versus aggro card like they have to pay life to hit you and while you're hitting them, I don't know. Random thought. I mean, there's also the possibility that they're playing white in their deck, in which case they can always just pay white for the things. Okay, right. Um, yeah. I mean, it's not. It's not a. These are yeah. like I said. These are like you know, just thought cards that are that that are interesting. That I think could like have legacy applications. Car- Cards these, are, John. these are cards that will make sure that we're going to have a three-hour podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I was going to say cards that John has under, like, bargain bin. That's what the list says. <laughs> <laughs> the cards that John's, like, pre-ordered a lot of, and then because he misread them or something, and he's like, oh, shit, gotta get rid of these. <laughs> gotta ship them. <laughs> gotta hope Alex agrees with me. <laughs> uh, the other one is uh, Phyrexian Unlife. Hmm. Uh, that's, like... Anything like that costs three or under, I always think about like, does this have like legacy applications, you know? And the interesting thing about this is like, 
um, any life loss effect does not give you poison counters after you're at zero, right? Right. It's it's only damage. So like things like ad nauseum don't kill you. Um, other things that you would pay two life or like you know. Ah, oh, interesting. I mean, you can't pay two life if you don't have it, but like things that make you lose life don't make you lose life with this. So like I I figure like this thing could see some some kind of like interactions, you know that. Uh, so you couldn't die to your own confidant. Yeah, you couldn't die to your own confidant with this. Like that was another thing is like because I've been playing with stacks and that one card, um, not confidant, but uh, the the enchantment that's confidant, uh, dark tutelage. Because right. cause stacks has like mox diamonds and like um, other like zero like chalice and stuff like that. So I've been playing with that like even before the set came out. So like that with Phyrexian Unlife means that you can just basically confidant over and over again without like dying. Hmm. You know. So, but then you're playing like Unlife and Dark Tutelage, and like it does get like convoluted. But if you're gonna rebuild like a deck from the ground up, like if you're gonna look at a stacks variant from the ground up, then you want to look at what your options are, you know, or like if you want to use this with Confidant, you you probably have to get other value out of it. But um, it's it's definitely interesting to think about, you know. I think I think like all the spell. That cost two colorless and uh, a colored mana. Like they're they're all they're all options for all the uh, ancient ancient tomb and uh, city of traders deck. You know. Yeah, definitely. Wh- which is which the stags deck is. Yeah, and like, let me see. Let me read city because I think city is uh, is city damage or life loss. City of traders is neither. It's, uh, it's, it's uh, uh, ancient, ancient tomb. It deals two damage. Oh, okay. Then you kill yourself with infect. <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely an interesting card, though. Uh, so, John. yeah. So I think yeah, something to think about. Uh, also, like, just it just makes you have like thirty life points too. You know what I mean? So right. like, against a burn deck or something, it's interesting. You know, just like makes that range bigger. Um, well, it doesn't actually quite give you 30 life, like, because it's always, I mean, at most it's going to give you 29 life, right? Because you have to be at least one life when you play it. Yeah. And then suddenly then you have 10 life, like, when you play it. So if you pay, play it when you're at 10, then you have, like, back to, you're starting at 20 again. Yeah, the other thing is, like, against, like, a Tendrils deck, the, the Tendrils is life loss. So they can't actually kill you with this on the board. I mean, is this better than some other thing that's going to stop them from comboing? Probably not, but it is interesting, you know? I don't know, you make it... Isn't it a good... So what's better against... Leyline of Sanctity. Okay. (laughs) You know, know, but but like I'm saying, if you're going to build this in a deck, then you just remember that, hey, this gives you also edge against a Tendrils deck, so you might not need as many sideboard slots or like, you know what I mean? Right, right. Like it just gives you those uh, those little advantages that maybe, you know. Um, so the other one was pure steel paladin. Like ah, like I could see this as like a one or two of and like because these uh these uh, stoneforge mystic decks they also run ether vial. You know, and like uh, I mean, some junk decks also run like uh, 
some junk decks. I don't think the junk decks run Ether Vial, but they run, uh, what is that, uh, Mox Diamond. So, yeah, like, so you, have, you have a Mox and equipment, a Vial, or something else. And yeah. So this thing, it, you, you could get, get active. Metal, yeah, I don't know, maybe a White Weenie deck you can see this in. Like, th- they could just go with that strategy. Like, it's possible that this could see Legacy play with the Pure Steel Paladin. What, what do you think? I think I think you know, like in Legacy, whenever there's a card that has Melcraft, like you can you have to consider the fact that like a two color deck can just run eight artifact land and then the Melcraft becomes really easy. Yeah. And uh that guy has value, you know, so it's uh, it's uh it could be played. Yeah, definitely. And, and if you're running equipment like the the Melcraft, like uh, obviously becomes uh, interesting. So the other one I had, uh, I had Probe on the list, but we talked about that. Um, let's see, uh, Phyrexian Metaphor Metamorph. Have you guys seen this one? This is the the clone variant. Yeah, the clone that can also make a copy of an artifact. Yeah, I think that guy's pretty sweet. Certainly, like, worth picking up just for EDH alone, right? Yeah, definitely. And, like, this guy could have legacy applications. I mean, you can make a copy of a Tarmogoy for three mana or, you know, uh, uh, know, a Progenitus or whatever. I do think, though, people with all these cards, like, are underestimating the fact that you actually do have to pay life because, like, it adds up, right? Oh, yeah, definitely. I mean, it does add up, but if you're, like, copying a progenitus, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, but I mean, like, for instance, Patrick Sullivan is for sure, like, cackling with glee, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, um, so yeah, this thing, I mean, and then you can copy other artifacts, you know? Um, so, you know... It, you, seems, it seems interesting that you can play it for three... But like for counterbalance, it'll count as four, and like the the counterbalance deck, like they really don't have that many fours in their deck. Yeah, and it also gives them a threat, you know. Yeah, and you can copy their sensei's divining top. <laughs> <laughs> yep, and then you can crack it and then copy their creature. Yeah. Yeah. Whoa! Next level. No. <laughs> just, just broke it. Just broke it, guys. <laughs> All right. Next, next card, the uh, Medina. Uh, dismember. This is dismember. Uh, yeah. Have you seen this? It's a black card. Uh, oh, uh, two black. It's not. It's not actually a black card. Yeah, it's actually. Yes. <laughs> it's kind of like a snuff out. Like it's uh, snuff out was completely free, but uh, this is and it kills anything but a black creature. This is uh, two black and a colorless. You can pay Frexing mana for the black, and then a uh, target creature gets neg five, neg five, until the end of turn. So I could see this scene legacy play. What do you guys think? I could too. I also see this scene type two play. Hardcore. <laughs> so um, let's see. Uh, the other one was Frexing Obliterator. Uh, I can see that in a, maybe like a, yeah, there's a mono black. Huh? You can see that in the casual deck? 
<laughs> no, there's a there's a mono black train wreck deck, you know, with cabal coffers and stuff. Train wreck sounds about right. Yeah, it, they call it train wreck because it's not a great deck, but it is, you know, it is a deck. So I could see the obliterator in the in the train wreck mono black deck. Uh, yeah, I mean, I could definitely see it in that deck. I just can't really see that deck. Yeah, I, I mean, it runs it runs like some some variants splash a little bit of green. And they run, uh, they run, uh, Deed, Pernicious Deed. So, I mean, it could have like, been. For Legacy, when I look at the, at the Obliterator, like, I see a 5-5 five, five unblockable guy for, for 5. For 4. For 4. Oh, yeah, yeah. 4 black mana. I don't. I, I think it's too heavy on black, and like there's not there's not a mono black deck that's that's really <laughs> doing any good. Yeah, or so, even uh, close to it. <laughs> <laughs> the train wrecks, the train wreck deck. That yeah, the train wreck deck. <laughs> All right, so the other one was Slag Fiend. This is the one drop that's uh, XX for how many artifacts you have in your graveyard? Huh. So, like, I mean, there's a bunch of ways to get cards in your graveyard, you know? And, uh, I don't know. There seems like an interesting card that you could build around in Legacy. I mean, it's a one-drop, so one-drops are awesome. Not anymore. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Chancellor of the Tangle... Reminds me a little bit of like Elvish Spear Guide. I know it's not as good as Elvish Spear Guide, but uh if you could like these chancellors, like if you could find a way to use them in another way besides their initial ability, like it almost seems like it'd be worth looking into. Cause this guy is that green chancellor that adds a green mana to your pool for each one you have in your hand. At your starting hand. Is there some card that, like, you reveal your hand and your opponent takes damage equal to the total converted mana cost? Oh, that'd be sick. That would be so sick with these chancellors. Yeah, "Yeah." because you you make, like, all this mana with this guy, and then you're just, like, cast (laughs) this thing on turn one. The other thing is, like... It looks looks like they had in uh, Rise of Eldrazi. (laughs) So, so yeah, I mean, making mana on your first turn it seems pretty insane, and like, I don't know, there may there might be a way to like. The other thing is, you can also use with these chancers. You can use that card. Um, what's the card called? Uh, serum powder. You know. Yeah. To to control like how many you're gonna have in your hand, and like if you have like a hand with you know. Two of them, you can remove that hand from the game and then redraw seven, you know? So you mean you can make your deck like it didn't have those in the first place? Yeah. But, but then you can still benefit from having them, you know? So in, That's even better. Know. If you have two of those guys plus a land and the serum powder in your opening hand, you can keep it, add the two green, <laughs> and then tap the land and play the serum powder. Man. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man! Your one turns sooner to be able to cast that. Yeah, I mean, you can make fun of me, but (laughs) you could also have four, and you can have a dryad arbor, and you could just be like, and a natural order, so you could just be like four chancellors, dryad arbor, (laughs) 
<laughs> or you could have like a land two dark rituals in an ad nauseum. <laughs> so, all right, uh, Praetor's Grasp is the last one on my list here. You'll be happy to hear. And uh, you basically jack someone else's spell out of their deck, and then you can use it. Yeah, I actually think that card's kind of cool, but uh, it's kind of like, you know, Grim Tutor, but for your opponent's deck. Yeah. The problem is your opponent's deck generally has really crappy cards for you in it. Yeah, I mean, in mirror matches, like, it reminds me of uh, when I used to play the the Storm deck, the Ad Nauseum deck. You always ran one of those uh, freaking uh, sad, sad, sadistic sacraments. Right. I mean, at the time, you had Mystical Tutor, so, like, once you drew yeah. a Mystical Tutor, like, get the sad sack, like, sad sack you, and then, like, neuter your combo, you know? But it kind of reminds me of that in that in that sense, is, like, in the mirror match, you could get a card from their deck that, you know, is going to hurt them, but also that you can use, you know? Yeah, I think I think it's an interesting card, and like also the fact that like most of these ad nauseum that they only run one, and they're they're trying to tutor it, you know, at the right time. And well, I mean, by that logic, you could play extract, right? Pay one blue, search their deck for their one tendrils, get rid of it. The thing is, I think like I think the thing it's like you have more value by running that, like. You can play that like against a combo, or you can play that like just just to get value. You know? I mean, even just going to use it to tutor a Tarmogoyf out of their deck and play it. Yeah, you know? exactly. Yeah. Like yeah, but but it also gives you a little bit of game against combo decks out of your board or whatever. You know what I mean? Like certain. I mean, if you take a, a certain dread return target, or if you take you know, I mean, assuming that. You know they still have a library. When you're <laughs> I know, I know. I'm thinking standard, but like you could be like taking their sword and then like playing it against them. You know. Yeah, or you could take a force of will. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, and you could play, you could play it as long as exiled. So you just jack their force of will and it just sits there. You're like, I got you, I got you under wrap, buddy. Like, try something. I dare you. You can take it their mental misstep, man. <laughs> so like that, that card, like that card, is pretty unique. Like, there's nothing quite like it that's that's ever been uh, printed. Right, and I think those are the cards that are like good in Legacy, unless they're just like a really powerful card that's been printed before. But you usually want a card with like a unique effect. Yeah, so I I could see this seeing some legacy play. It's definitely like a, an option in Vintage Storm because then you just jack their recall. <laughs> You're just or like, the, or their, yeah, probably the yeah, audience will. That's that's a good point. Like in Vintage, there there's all these cards that you can only have one of, and then like you're taking it from their deck and. <laughs> You can screw up their plans uh, big time. You're like, I got two of these in my deck, buddy. <laughs> man, I have to get my power nine back, man. Like, I want to be balling like with the big boys. You know, now I have the duels. <laughs> vintage now. I'm 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 actually trying to get into vintage again. I've been building a vintage deck over here. Oh, I'm also building dredge and vintage. I, you know, the bizarre tournament. I traded the guy who won the bazaar for his bazaar. 
Oh, so you won? It's it's like you won. <laughs> it's like I won because that's actually rather bizarre. <laughs> they, they were they were like all discussing like trying to do a split the two winners, you know. And I just went over there. I'm like, hey dudes, just so you know, I'm interested in the bizarre. So whoever gets it, come talk to me. And then they're just like, oh, okay, <laughs> that changes things, you know. <laughs> But uh I think I made a pretty good trade on that. I traded three wastelands and a Mazavith for the bazaar. So I think I did alright. So can I clock Nazi now? <laughs> I think you can. What the, how long has this thing been going on? It's, this is an well, epic cast. hours, I think. Whoever's oh, listening wow. to this point, like thank I think the only card that uh, has been mentioned a lot on Twitter that we haven't discussed is so quickly, Hex Parasite. Is it the, is it, I guess, non-legacy then? Yeah, that was on my list, but I, I cut it because I didn't want to keep going. Right. It's like but, a ninja uh, assassin who's, like, given a picture of his target and, like, just goes after his target, and his target that is on his picture is called Jace the Mind Sculptor. It's got, <laughs> like, a little picture of that and in his wallet, and it's like, you know, dead or alive. And, you know, <laughs> I think, like, like, Hex Parasite is cool because you can... Tr- fetch of a trinket mage, but I think that the problem is is you're going to want to get rid of a Jace, and Jace is typically run in, like, counterbalance decks, and Hex Parasite, when you cast against, like, counterbalance, it's not going to, it's not going to be that great. Right, you cast mean, against anything, they just mental misstep you. Yeah. Right. <laughs> exactly. So, like, I don't think it's going to be as good. I mean, if you wanted to, like, try to run it with uh, Dark Depths, you know, and only, you know, spend the 10 mana and just get that creature, you know, and not have to sacrifice. Man, and you get, like, such a big beater, too, because you keep pumping it, like, over time, and it just keeps getting it's so big. Yeah, you can run it with Dark Depths and, like, Trinket Mage, and, like, because then you can tutor it, you know, unlike the, I mean, you could tutor the other one, Worldly Tutor, but, you know. <laughs> okay, so let's end this epic cast. Uh, shoutouts, yes, Frank, <laughs> If you have anybody, yeah, I, wife blood. I, I'd <laughs> like to give a shout out to my girlfriend who actually like she, she didn't really say that I was playing too much magic. Okay. <laughs> she, just, she just feels it, you know. <laughs> no, but she's uh, we we like we all went to Toronto with KYT and uh, we had a blast and uh, she was a good sport and. Uh, I think KYT is secretly in love with her. <laughs> is that true, KYT? Man, how, KYT would never stray from his very pretty girlfriend. Yeah, never. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. once you go Asian, you never go Caucasian. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, shout out to uh, my, uh, my Twitter fans that... Uh, that send me uh, ideas. There, w- there's one guy, Paul Miller, is uh, he thought the new uh, edict was good also for uh, in the set. Have you seen it? New edict. Yeah. Yeah. For black black. It's a black black sacrifice uh, target player, sacrifice a creature, and uh, I think loses one life. Oh, is it instant? Yeah. Yeah. And. Huh. Tell us when you're recording. Yeah. yeah. Man, I got a good one on Medina's mom there. Yeah. Yeah, you okay. did. 
So we had technical difficulties here, but we're going to resume our shout-outs. So, uh, Frank, finish him up. Uh, you were going to talk about the Facebook group? Yeah, exactly. We we have a Facebook uh, group going on, and uh, shout-outs to those who uh, already joined. And uh, we're going to have the link in the show notes, so uh, you can uh, come and waste your afternoons uh, chatting on the Facebook group. <laughs> and not doing productive work. <laughs> yeah, that's a no-no. And productive work is for suckers. <laughs> Winning. I feel bad that uh, I reeled in Alex and, and uh, Frank in the Twitter land, and now they're they're just tweeting away like crazy. Um, any shout-outs, Alex? Um, Shout-out to my car. I'm headed to the PTQ this weekend. Uh, Joy Smith, Justin Richardson, Davies Clark, and uh, our driver, Nick LeBlanc, who top rated the PTQ. And uh, shout-outs to... All my friends who qualified for nationals this past weekend at regionals, including Justin, Joey, and of course, Carr. <laughs> <laughs> Carr hey, Young uh, also known as KYT. Yes, Frank. Yes, yeah, since we, since we, uh, I'm gonna take advantage of that technical difficulty and I'm gonna squeeze a juicy piece of information that I've learned. Well, I was on. Uh, I was traveling with Car. His <laughs> his dad is actually named King Ho. <laughs> so, like, if you, if you didn't see it coming that KYT was like the master of the universe, he's the son of the King Ho, man. So, like, you have to uh, represent, you know. But, uh, look at some of KYT's uh, magic, like not the gathering, but regular, you know, as an illusion magic videos on YouTube. You know, you can see he's he's a pretty big pimp. So make sure <laughs> the son of a hoe. <laughs> so that is uh, that is my dad's name, King Ho Tom. So no joke there. Um, <laughs> John, your shout outs to wrap this up. All right, I want to give a shout out to uh, to Smitty. Uh, had a little battle with him earlier on Twitter. I hope he's feeling all right. I hope he's icing his, his wounds. And, uh, you know, just wanted to let him know that even though I, I gave him a beat down, that I still love him. No homo. Uh, I want to give a shout out to King Ho. <laughs> because, uh, how could you not give that guy a shout out after that? Oh, man. Yeah, I want to give him a shout out too. This is going to be a recurring joke. <laughs> I hope your mom is not listening to the podcast. <laughs> oh, man. And uh, just a, a shout-out to Mental Misstep for uh, changing legacy forever. <laughs> oh, and shout-out like to... A shout the, out, like, just like, uh, that's like Obama's Peace Prize, like, you know, preemptive. Yeah. <laughs> What's your last shout out, John? Oh, shout out to everyone who made it through. Oh yeah. Three hours of crazy talk. <laughs> that was a good one. Uh, I want to shout out to Felix Lepin who, uh, came up to me yesterday at Tuesday Night, uh, Legacy and told me that he listens to all their casts. So that's pretty sweet of him to say that. Uh, thanks to all three of you as usual. Um, Thanks to anybody who, who's been wanting to, to hear the next crazy talk. And that's it for now. And we'll see you guys next week. King Ho!